0: Shirts are burning I sit around Trying to flex like a human But the air is so full of acid rain Sexy strangers are saying Oh, what did they say? Look, motherfucker, clean my shoes It's too close for comfort The stain on this patent Leather's giving me the blues it's a sleazy, greasy summer Leaving me here with Frankston oh, oh, oh. It's a sleazy, greasy summer Now you're gone Atlantis is crowded My friends are away It's too hot to handle So I got to get up and go It's a sleazy Greasy summer, leaving me here, with it Jackie Stallone. It's a sleazy, greasy summer, now you're gone. You're not the only lone mom. It's a sleazy, greasy summer, leaving me here with Sly alone, It's a sleazy... Sleazy summer, now you're gone. You're not the only one. own. Welcome
1: to Sleazy Summer, I'm the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. I am a Speedo-wearing large William across the border <laughs> from me, across the beach from me. Is uh, my fellow speedo clad gentleman maybe the thong? Uh,
2: it's yeah, it's it's a moccasin based thong.
1: Nice, your yeah. uh, <laughs> your fringe game is strong, man. It is,
2: it is. I'm actually wearing war paint on my balls.
1: Nice, so, that's yeah. right, man. You got the it's one of those kind of
2: sleazy summers, you know?
1: Yeah, that uh, you got to keep that suede fresh, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard on the beach, man. Yeah,
2: that smudge.
1: Ooh, yeah, man, you getting <laughs> that, that? That suede's getting smudged quickly, yeah. very quickly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, welcome everyone. Uh, this episode is episode 349 of our show. However, we for those that don't know what Sleazy yeah. Summer is, you've probably seeing some posters from some great friends. Um, yeah,
2: you should explain this because this is kind of your brainchild.
1: Yeah, it just kind of popped into my head one day. You and I have kind of spitballed ideas in the past, um, you know, just to kind of do something fun with summer programming a little bit. and I don't know. It just kind of popped into my head one day to do uh, a sleazy summer, and what I wanted to do was get um, our dear friends together, and we've kind of put all the, uh, a bunch of, we all pick films that are sleazy and fun, put them in a hat, so to speak, or a pair of panties, uh, if you will. And uh, I would remove the, uh, I would draw names from the panties with my teeth, and yes. uh, and here we are. So you know, everyone uh, picked films depending on how many films their shows cover, um, over the course of a month, and uh, and then uh, you know we're off to the races. So yeah. you know, we're we're taking part. Hamicus is taking part. Cult of Muscles taking part. Gold Gold's taking part. Feminine Critique, of course, <laughs> with yes. a power-packed episode, uh, yeah. Tragedy Trio as well. Yeah. Um,
2: shows that we, you know, it, it's, it's it's a promotion between friends, but it's also a promotion for maybe, you know, some of our listeners, we have a pretty high listenership, I, I'm not bragging, just saying we have a pretty high listenership, and maybe it, you know, it pushes some people to check out shows that we think are very like-minded to us.
1: So, Did I mention Mary with Clickers? No, you didn't. Maybe so. clickers, they were the first ones to get their episode out.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got it out quick.
1: Got their shit organized over there. In Scratch land.
2: Daddy Scott got it going there.
1: Yeah, he did, man. He sure did. <laughs> <laughs> so he, all he wears is a, is a strategically placed uh, large oversized clock necklace.
2: You yeah.
1: better make sure the angle of that dangles all right. Yeah, he
2: better. You better be careful, too. You mess up that clock all that water skiing he does.
1: That's right, man. He's going to chip a tooth, <laughs> man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, boy!
1: That's right, man. That thing's going to be swinging like a pendulum, man. He's got two double dot double pendulum. So, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so that's really what it is. Um,
2: Should have called uh, the show Merry with Clackers this week.
1: <laughs> Married with Clackers, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, <laughs> the, uh, we, this week, uh, basically everyone. So everyone's show is going to be programmed, just to be clear, by the other people. Luck of the draw. Mm-hmm. So our show this week uh, happened to be programmed by me with the uh, PM Entertainment Jam, Art of Dying, which we're both fans of, Wingshauser, Power Hour. Yeah. And another film uh, <laughs> that was programmed for the show, programmed by a good friend, uh, Brian of Hamicus, and he programmed The Astral Factor, 1978.
2: Yeah, something neither one of us had seen, right? So
1: Yeah, we'd never seen or heard. So No, I'd
2: never heard of it. I, I can tell you that. this It was all new to me.
1: Yeah, it was all new. It was all new, so um, yeah. So that's what we are watching or reviewing. Not watching. We're going to be reviewing this week. What uh, have you watched in the past two weeks? As we had the the week well, of vacation.
2: Yeah, we actually took a vacation. For those who are on the Facebook group and listen to us, just you know, for entertainment purposes, and don't do the social media thing. Um, we took a week off. We don't typically do that. We typically always try to put some content out. But both of us have been kind of slammed and busy working, we have young boys, uh, summer's been uh, a gong show as far as timing goes, we've had a lot, and I'm recording on the phone again, because it's another one of those, it's just scheduling gets tougher, it doesn't get easier, uh, you know, it just, it's just the way it goes, but again, no complaints, just, you know, I wish we could record every show like we always do, but unfortunately, time and commitments don't always work out, but anyway... Uh, it was good to take the week off. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm off this week. I'm going to watch a film every day. Amazing. You know, you go into your vacation. You, you, you know this game.
1: Oh, Of course. You I in- know this tomfoolery <laughs> that we convince ourselves of. <laughs> yeah.
2: So you think, I got all this spare time. I'm not going anywhere on my vacation. I know you went somewhere <laughs> on yours, but I'm not going anywhere. And you can talk about that in a little bit. But
0: Yeah.
2: I, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be home. So I'm just going to chill. I'm going to chill. I'm going to watch. I'm not going to go overboard. I'm not going to say two films a day. I'm just going to do one film a day.
1: It's That's good. totally within reach, right?
2: Yeah, totally within reach, yeah. right? My son goes to bed, I throw a film on, watch a film, go to bed, right? So That's right. Started out Monday, worked, and I watched Interstellar, which I didn't really care for. I mean, I thought it was okay. Uh, <clears> it, <throat> it feels like, you know, I know Steven Spielberg was attached to that project. It feels like he was attached to that project
1: before. It does. It does.
2: Yeah, it totally feels like him. Some of the stuff works, but I don't like... I don't like in Christopher Nolan's movies that he always stops narrative to explain something to the audience like they're a bunch of dumbasses.
1: I think, uh, yeah, the bookshelf stuff is where I really lost me. I I think he's – aesthetically, I think it's a fine film. And I give him marks for having his heart in the right place. It feels like he's using this really grand scale to work out some very intimate things. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, you know, oh yeah,
2: the, the subject matter is totally interesting. It's
1: poignant, you know. Yeah. I, I think the some of the stuff, stuff on Earth is, is clumsy. Is the, the space there. stuff is really well shot.
2: Yeah. But it's just every time they're they're approaching something in space, they stop to pick up a post-it note and say, "Okay, let's say that this right here is a wormhole." Okay. Yeah. And let's say that this, and then they, they move the narrative forward, and then they say, "Okay, let's say my fist is a black hole." Okay. And then my joke on Facebook was the next, you know, the next tip is okay. Matthew McConaughey bends over and he says, "Let's say this here is a butthole." Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just That's like, right. you know, come on, stop explaining yourself and move along. I know you want to get some ideas out there, but that movie's three hours long. That's unnecessary.
1: It is, yeah, it's a bit long.
2: I mean, I would have been fine with two and a half, but I yeah. mean, it really wears out of its welcome in that last half an hour. And I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's bad but I don't think it's great either. Right. Uh, I, I think, think you liked it a little bit more than yeah. me. I did get the emo- the emotional stuff. It, it gets pretty good. It gets, there's a few yeah.
1: poignant moments with like the video calls and stuff. And yeah. I think when you're looking at the passage of time and how he's trying to convey that, and when you right. scale it back to you and I always talking about the passage of time with our children and loved yeah. ones and, and how he uses that as kind of to represent that. I think there are some strong things, but I do think, yeah, it's a little bit overstuffed. I liked it. Like it's, Again, I saw in the theaters with my dad, so that kind of adds a little bit of the movie magic. Yeah. If I had to rate it, I'd probably give it, and this is based on the one-time viewing, like a 7.25. You know, I liked yeah. it enough, but technically it's fine. But I'll tell you, some of the early dialogue, it, like when they're in Oklahoma or Texas, it's fucking clumsy.
2: Oh, my God. Don't even get me started. It's embarrassing. <laughs> it really bad. It really is. It really is. It just... But, I mean, again, you know, to each their own. I mean, I know some people sure. really liked it. Yeah, yeah. And that's fine. I just wish Nolan would get. It. I, I like Nolan, you know, pre Dark Knight a lot because he didn't always explain things. Like he didn't explain stuff in Insomnia. He didn't explain stuff in Memento. <clears throat> he let the story explain itself. And it seems like since he's become this big budget filmmaker, that he feels the need to explain everything he does. And that Inception was the same thing for me. It, it was. It was you know. I'm going to show you all the rules, and this is really cool effects and stuff. but I'm going to show you all the rules, mm-hmm. and then so that way, when we break the rules, you, you'll you know you'll you'll see this blah blah blah. But that's what I felt the same thing with Interstellar. Now, don't get me wrong; I think the acting's fine. I think all that was good. Uh, I like the way it looked. I like the idea of every minute they spend on one planet or whatever they said it was seven years back home. Yeah, yeah. That that really put an urgency. It does to uh, to a situation big time. Mm -hmm. um but there's there's a lot of good ideas in there i just think it kind of falls flat i think a filmmaker well i mean i'll be honest with you i think somebody like spielberg would have handled that better but i i even think for him (laughs) uh, uh, for him well i think he would have handled the stuff at the beginning better because that was more
1: his that's That's more his his 80s wheelhouse for sure it is you could totally feel
0: that
2: yeah, but I, I don't know about the back end. The back end, maybe Jim Cameron could have handled better or somebody like that. But anyway, regardless, I, I'd probably, if I had to rate it, I'd probably give it like a six?
1: 6.25. Okay, well, we're on the apart, six, point apart.
2: Yeah. It's not it's not awful, but just, you know, whatever. Uh, 300 Rise of an Empire. This isn't great, but it's not much worse than the other one. So
0: <laughs>
2: uh, it was just on my DVR. I recorded it a long time ago. Um, I liked the, some of the actors in it. Jack McConnell's in it, uh, the lead. And this one's pretty good.
1: Who's who's in it? Jack O'Connell?
2: Yeah, Jack yeah, the the O'Connell guy. Yeah, he's in there. Oh, nice. Uh, Eva Greens in there. There's some good, you know, some there's some nice stuff. Uh, oh, but again, wow, they got it, a
1: few names.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's got a nice energy to it and stuff, but it's it's kind of dull with the storytelling and stuff. It's got some really nice shots. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's as interesting as the first one, maybe because of when the first one came out.
1: Yeah, that technology was still very Yeah,
2: like, like the first time, like I me and you've talked about this before, the first time I saw 300, I oh. liked
1: it
0: Oh yeah. quite a
2: bit. The second time I watched 300, I was like, ooh, what happened? Uh, yeah. And the yeah. third time I saw 300, I was like, whoa. you know? I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong, I don't hate 300, but I, I think it's average to a little bit above average at best.
1: I hate it. I, I find myself, the more I think about it, the more I despise it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't know why. Because, you know, really great marketing, uh, you know, but really marketed the hell out of that film yeah. well.
2: Well, I haven't watched it since it came out on Blu-ray, so I couldn't tell you where I'd stand on it right now.
1: I saw it in theater, um, liked it then, and then just, man, I began to fucking hate it. Yeah, it so was, a good, theater, it was a good
2: theater watch. Yeah. i remember oh, yeah. watching it in theater as well. So
1: Stay with three or four buddies, and, you know, we're all just taking our shirts off and pounding our yeah, chest. The yeah, yeah. And, and I'm always <laughs> like, what the fuck are these guys <laughs> doing?
2: How strange that same thing happened to me. Yeah.
1: Yes, that's right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> My friends were like, "Man, that moccasin thing's got to make you sweat." I'm like, "Oh yeah, you have no idea." Oh
1: man, a chafe. Uh, you got to use the, the talcum, man. You got to have your talcum game has to be strong, <laughs> yeah. man. What do you even keep uh, your talcum in a place? Like uh. You weren't as little uh, suede as you are.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I watched uh, "Magician: The Life and Astonishing Work of Orson Welles."
1: Man, this pretty I, gotta, good. See, it's, I mean to
2: uh you know it's it's obviously i mean i'm a bit of a, a wells uh kind of like you know he was kind of a gateway drug to the auteur filmmaking type thing for me so i've kind of read a lot about wells and so most of this stuff i already knew uh unfortunately that kind of affects my viewing of this but i think if you don't know anything about wells i think you'll find this utterly fascinating um, oh, uh i did i still did still quite like it um, it is very good and it is, you know, it does have some other great moments of Wells laughing in it, which is always,
1: always oh, laughs great. man. Yeah. You
2: know, and unfortunately I'm not in front of my computer to pull up my Wells laugh, but, uh, yeah, amazing. if I could, yeah, his, uh, his laugh is still one of the best laughs of all time.
1: He chortles heartily.
2: <laughs> yes, he really does. He really does. I admire him. You know, I mean, he was oh, a guy yeah. who lived life to the fullest. Hey. He liked to eat. He liked to smoke. He liked to make movies. You know, he, he suffered through a lot, but you know what? At the end of it all, he, he laughed and everything else. And, you know, that's that's all you can ask for in life. It's true. So, you know. um, And then uh, tonight I actually watched Wormwood Road of the Dead. and uh, How would you feel about that one? Uh, it is, uh, it's a piece of shit is what I felt about this thing. Um, I don't typically say that kind of stuff. No, terrible. that's
1: rare for you. That's very rare. <laughs>
2: This movie's terrible. I don't know what I don't know what people are smoking, what they're drinking, or what you know. I, maybe it's a zombie thing. I don't know, but I mean, I was in the mood for some zombie action. You know, I, I felt it. It popped up on Netflix. Like, oh yeah, man. You know, every now and then because I grew up on zombie films like a the, the lot of us. You know, I was like, you know, I want to see a new zombie movie. Let's see. And this one looks like it had a good idea, right? Post-apocalyptic, kind of a Mad Max. It comes from Australia. It's got some you know some good gore in it and stuff. The camera tricks have all been done uh, a thousand times, and
1: they drove me insane. Didn't Uh, you only get, like, a few minutes? Like, you said you really didn't get far into it. You fucking hated it. I got about
2: 25 minutes into it and realized that
1: I am not going to like this movie. And that was 25 minutes you'd never get back?
2: Yeah, but but I decided it's an hour and 40 minutes long. I decided to ride it out because there's some people out there that I love. Uh, Justin and a few others that love this thing, and mm-hmm. I wanted to give it a shot. Yeah. But maybe, and, and maybe it was going to be those situation where you know the first half hour is one of the worst things you've ever seen, but maybe it has a back end set piece that just blows your mind or something.
1: We've all been there, and we've all talked ourselves through films like that. Yeah. <laughs> How that's you're more likely to find a unicorn in your backyard. Yeah. <laughs> when a movie, and it's like you think to yourself, you do that that thing where you're constantly reevaluating things, talking about the time left. Yeah. Okay, it's gotten a little bit better. Ooh, but it, it just kind of slipped on that banana peel again, man. And then it's got yeah. about 40 minutes left. And then you get to that point when there's like 20, 25 minutes left. And you're like, this fucking thing is not getting any better. I'm just, I'm so mad right now.
2: There's a scene in this film where a scientist is experimenting on zombies and and stuff. And he puts on Casey and the Sunshine's band, do a little dance, you know, make a little look, oh. get down tonight, dancing with a syringe. If that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about this movie, Ugh. then I don't know what does. I mean that Brule. unlike Ex Machina, which uses a great kind of yeah. disco era moment to kind of get a point across. Absolutely. This uses it in the worst possible way. Ugh. A smirking kind of mad scientist type deal, blah blah blah. It's I, you look, like I said, you know, I know there's folks out there that love it, guys that I love and I respect. And that's the only reason why I checked it out. Yeah. But it's not for me. I think it's one of the worst things I've seen in quite some time. It's terrible. So yeah. it does have some? I did like some of the aesthetic and stuff, but it's ah, this just terrible. I don't know. I don't get it. But not for me. But that's it. That's all I watched.
1: Nice. That, well, uh,
2: that week of one day, a mo- one movie a day
1: what did it turned work into out four
2: movies over two weeks.
1: <laughs> yeah, brother, I hear you, man. It's been yeah, it's been a, a slim summer. We're into August, and I'm still counting movies towards July, but. Are, Nix that. Um, did I mention that I'd uh, watched Ed Wood for the first time last time we spoke?
2: No, no, no. I mean, well, I knew did, <coughs> but I don't think the listeners knew.
1: Yeah, so I watched Ed Wood. I got the Blu-ray a couple Black Fridays ago, and it was one of those ones. Even though I love Tim Burton, and I, you know, and this is this is a time when Johnny Depp could do no wrong. Um, I hadn't seen it, and uh, yeah, so I put it on, and it's it's excellent. Um, yeah. I think that
2: except for that uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, that Orson Welles uh, dubbing.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's, that's some. I mean, truly, they could have found somebody that could have done a better Orson Welles impersonation than that.
1: Yeah, yeah, he looks the part, though.
2: He does look the part. Yes, yeah, so that would be. Yeah, when he gets a little older, it would be great to see him do an Orson Welles biopic.
1: Yeah, totally, it will. But this is great. Um, Landau slays. He just slays and. You know, it's, it's really wonderful. And I got to say, man, I think I told you, you and I spoke about this, I think, um, behind closed doors. But, man, I fucking love Lisa Marie, whether she's oh, a Martian yeah. or like yeah. a cunty uh, cable horror host. Oh.
2: Yeah, I don't care what she is. I love yeah. her, too.
1: She's dynamite. Um, yeah, but Landau steals the show. You know, I got I got a weird thing with Bill Murray, man. Sometimes I'm just not in the mood for his thing, like. Watching this, like man, you're like you're like Denzel. You you just, you know, you you do Bill Murray all the time.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he's just give me
1: something else, Bill. Yeah, you know.
2: Yeah, I I like him in that. I feel like that film is kind of like the beginning of the second half of everything that Bill Murray's done. The
1: deadpan, dry wit kind of. Yeah,
2: I feel like every little part he's done in every film after Ed Wood has been the same thing.
1: Yeah, too cool for school, and it's too bad because you know we're gonna get some tomatoes thrown at us for that, but. I gotta just t- calls it like I sees it.
2: Yeah, no, I think yeah. he's a fine actor. and he's stuff. Fine. I just don't think you know, he's like,
1: he's gotta stretch stretch his legs, man.
2: Yeah, I I just don't, you know, I just I think he is smart business wise, <laughs> and I think he knows what to do, and and he works yeah, he's, just he's enough.
1: He's working to, that angle.
2: Yeah, he works just enough to be able to play golf almost yeah. all year all year long. Yeah, and then like, and you know what I admire him for that. Yeah, he works I, <laughs> I'd like to be able to work just enough to get by and enjoy what I'll enjoy the most and not have to work most of the year.
1: But Yeah, but he's also not in my good books because he's a Bears fan, I think. So
2: <laughs> Yeah, well he's, it's, yeah, it's yeah, he's a Chicago everything fan.
1: but yeah. it's it was that thing where I just I get so tired of like, "Oh, Bill Murray showed up in someone's fucking wedding photos." And it's like, "Man, yeah. come well,
2: on." Well, actually, I think sadly, I think that stuff's more interesting than the film stuff he
1: does. Yeah, it's it's crazy, but it's funny cuz <laughs> When we were just talking about him, I was I said he's got to stretch his legs. In my head, I, you know, in one of those instant sort of split-second things, I was trying to decide between saying stretch his legs and spread his wings. It was a good thing I I didn't say Bill Murray's got to spread his legs.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, it would have fit in with the uh, motif of the oh, show man. this
1: weekend. Yeah, it totally would have. Um, that so, yeah, Peter was...
2: Vinkman butthole.
1: Man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
2: I'll that's drop right. a slammer in there.
1: Ooh. <laughs> went up them hot dogs. <laughs> Yo, Nathan's, man. Oh, yeah. Um, then, because I was on the way to New York, I wanted to watch a very New York film that I love. That We talked about reviewing a few times, but I just wanted to see how it held up. So it's going to be in this neck of the woods. So I put on Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. We have talked about doing
1: reviewing yeah. that, haven't we. The Blu-ray doesn't look great. Uh, it looks okay. Um mm-hmm. It's got a lot of really good special features, though. I don't, I don't know if those were ported over from a special edition or not, but it's got some really good insight into the cinematography and what Spike was going for. And
2: didn't uh, that get a Criterion release originally?
1: I, I don't know. It might have, but on you know,
2: DVD, I'm, too, I'm, some thinking it may have gotten a Criterion. Well, I know it got a Laserdisc release, but I don't know about. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it ever got a Criterion Blu-ray. Maybe they lost the rights to that and they put it up. Maybe they ported those features over.
1: Yeah, but it's a good disc as far as special features. Um it's got reunion interviews and stuff. I still really like it quite a bit. But some of it feels a bit intrusive in the like some of the the cinematography to me like I was going to watch with my wife and she goes she goes is he intentionally trying to just shoot everything at this bizarre dutch angle? You know, yeah. it's it's inter- it's very con- I th- feel like the film feels very conscious of what it's doing and very aware of it, like some of the monologue stuff. Um, yeah. But then again, I also feel to give Spike credit, we how many years past that when that's been done a lot since then. Yeah,
2: so yeah think- I think. Well, that's it. I think it's a film of its time.
1: It is very much, but I feel like its heart is, is absolutely in, it's in the right place, and it's an important yeah. film, and, and yes. I do still quite love it. Like it's Yeah, still that quite
2: film quite... and Boys in the Hood are films of their time, yeah. but they are still quite poignant. At the same time, you can look back at them in a little bit and kind of go, you know, you can kind of cringe at moments and things like that, but I still think both of them are very important films, yeah.
1: They are, man, and I, I still think it's very important that Rosie uh, gets that ice cube, man.
2: Yeah, she knows. She knows what I like there. Yeah, yeah
1: she's. I uh, need
2: that on my moccasin right now.
1: Yeah, you, I bet you do, man. You're, it's already smudged enough. It's not going to be any more smudged. Yeah. So that's good. Man. That uh, shriveled
2: coin purse. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> With a single bead, man. What color is the bead? It's like a mood bead. <laughs> it's white hot, man.
2: Looks like a small turtle shell
1: right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 um. Next up I watch, just random, I, you know, I, I often think to myself that I must, from the outside, look like a humorless fuck, but, uh, not ah, a humorless fuck, that's overstating my my opinion, but I don't watch a lot of comedies and a lot of stand-up, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I watched, for some reason, I was tired, but I wanted to watch something, I didn't watch anything in forever, so I was on Netflix and I put on Todd Berry, the crowd work tour, mm-hmm. and I don't know how familiar you are with this guy, but, um... He went around and did this tour. He went with no material, no written material. He was just going to work off the crowd and you know, and just basically, that was gonna be the whole tour, like twelve city tour. And uh, it's it's pretty funny, man. Like I, I laughed quite a bit. Um, Barry's clearly very talented. He's got a good rhythm. Um, I would seek out more of his stuff. And it's only about seventy minutes long, from what I recall. I don't think as a f- documentary they maybe captured it as well as they could have, but. Right. The strength is in the subject with this, okay. so he's really good, and it's it's definitely worth a watch. It's it's good stuff. Uh, next up was last night, and uh, I don't know what I, I had this one for a while, and you know, kept meaning to watch it and uh, put on Atlantic City, the uh, Louis Malcolm Oh no.
2: yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't seen that. I, I saw that back in the VHS days. I haven't watched it since.
1: Yeah, Lancaster. Like that's just great, you know. Some of his late cycle performances, I find them really poignant, in kind of the same way that I find John Wayne's performances poignant late in his career. Yeah, it's a guy who was very vibrant, very physical. You know, he made a lot of war films, a lot of spy films, a lot of kind of. He was kind of like a thinking man's, kind of a sensitive tough guy in some ways.
0: Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. he
1: was you know, this paragon of masculinity and. You know, just to see him old, and I think in some ways, the, like his casting and his performance, does feel very meta. This guy who's in Atlantic City when Atlantic City's run down and it's it's a shell of itself, and he's been left to kind of dog sit and like rub this old woman's feet, and you know, it's it's a good film though. And Susan Sarandon's young in it, and uh, she's puts in a good performance. It's weird to see here in Canada. Um, we had Moses Zneimer... Who was the head of like uh, Much Music and City TV, and he plays a heavy in the film, which is so bizarre because this was a tax shelter film.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah so yeah. it's weird.
1: Louis Mal directed. Uh, it's got some Canadian flavor, and then it's got. Um, is
2: Louis from Montreal? No. Or Canada?
1: Or he's, is he French? He's, he's French. French. Okay. Yeah.
2: I always but, thought he was. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, but it's we just you know he figured he'd come here. I, I think they, I think they shot around Toronto, but it's weird. A lot of the stuff they, they definitely got some. Some Atlantic City stuff in there. But it, it would make an interesting double, I think, with The King of Marvin Gardens. There are two mm. films that show Atlantic City at maybe its most unglamorous. Yeah. But uh, no, it's good. It was a good film. Uh, and then tonight was going to go see a film with my wife. And we didn't get a chance to. Um, the kids went to bed late. And you know how that goes. They just. They <laughs> yeah, didn't, I they, do. They came I know out, exactly how yeah, it goes. Yes. Yeah. They, they didn't want to sleep. And. By the time we got them down and everything else, and I thought taking them for a swim would tire them out, but just tired me out, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, that's how it goes. But anyway, so we ended up just staying, and I was like, look, i want to put on spring. It takes place in Italy, everyone loves it, let me see what the fuss is all about.
2: Yeah, it's a buzz movie, right?
1: Yeah, it's a buzz movie in our community, for sure, and, you know, I'm always very hopeful. Like Wormwood. Like Wormwood yeah but more but you got you got i got the buzz movie you got the buzz kill movie oh man
2: <laughs> kill my buzz that's for yeah, sure no
1: doubt man wow man that, that's got you clenching uh clenching in the moccasin clenching in the suede man oh man yeah. That was a bad deal it is a bad deal but spring is a good film um The team that did, was it, I can't remember the name of their first film. I covered it on the, uh, I was going to say the Spooktacular Fuck, um, on the Midnight (laughs) Ride. The
0: Midnight Ride. Yeah. Which
1: uh, we're going to have to see if I can squeeze some of those in again this year. Um, But uh, they did a film that was kind of a buzz from a few years ago. Was it called Revelation? Um, I'm stumbling through this.
2: Oh, yeah, that one that was on Netflix?
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, it was called Revelation. I think it was called. Oh, it was called something else, I think, though. I was going to watch it. I can't remember what it was called, though.
1: Let me find him on. It's one word. Resolution. Resolution. I said Revelation. Resolution. Okay, there you go. Interesting film. Now, this is an interesting film. This got a lot of buzz out of TIFF last year. Mm -hmm. I remember reading about it. I thought, well, I don't know. And I didn't end up picking it. Got a lot of buzz right through. It's still buzzing. Now, it takes place in Italy, mix of a love story and kind of a creature film. This duo take their time to set this thing up and let it unfold the way they want it to. I don't think they hit a lot of obvious notes with it. Mm-hmm. They really let the film breathe. Um, it's well shot. It's got some interest. Well, it's well shot in some regards. Other regards, it looks like it's almost shot, and probably by design, almost like a handheld kind of like tourist shooting at a vacation. Other stuff with okay. the drones over in Italy and stuff looks nice. Um,
2: yeah, the drones. I mean, I've made it known on Facebook. I've posted many things about how much I love drone footage. Yeah. I am concerned about how much drone footage I'm <laughs> going to see over the next ten years, but I've seen some pretty impressive drone footage, to say the least.
1: This stuff's good. I mean, it's not like the most astounding drone footage I've seen, but it's good. It, it's definitely good. It Adds some quality. But the have you ever is-
2: seen? Have you ever? There's a porn film made with the drone footage. You ought to see that.
1: I've not. The coolest thing I ever saw was when they took a drone. I think I I tagged you in it when they went into these, like, caves in Chile. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I this watched that. That stuff
1: was amazing. It's incredible, yeah.
2: Yeah, they did it there. They've out. done it at, uh, also they've done it at, uh, whatchamacallit, the, uh, oh, why am I drawing a blank on what it's called? Uh, the Russian nuclear disaster.
1: Oh, Chernobyl! I've seen some of that footage.
2: Yeah, that's pretty insane, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It definitely is. But the strength of this film is they let the film kind of breathe. But the two leads are really likable. Lou Taylor Pucci who's a good young actor. I don't think he's a world beater, but I think he's a likable young actor. He was in the Evil Dead remake. He was in Beginners. I think he might have played uh, Thing's son in Beginners. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen Beginners. but Plumber's son? He, no, he, no, he plays magician, whatever that is.
2: Yeah, he's a magician, and maybe yeah, a well, plumber's son. That that would be <clears throat> McGregor. He's his son. Actually. I thought
1: maybe he played McGregor's son. I didn't know if McGregor had a son. In it. I'm making things up now about films I haven't Ooh, seen.
2: I don't. I, you know what? I don't remember. I, I like that movie, but I only watched it the one
1: time. I'm meaning to watch it. A few people have really raved for it, but anyway, Luke Tudela the, the the male lead in this, and he's good. You know, he's he's likable enough, very earnest. Uh, but the female lead Nadia Hilker, German actress, man, I'll tell you what, she's going to get your your uh, <laughs> your engine revving, man. She reminded my me my search of, engine. She's gonna, yeah, you're going to get the same search going, man, because she's she's German. Actually, I would have known if I'd have looked up her name. I didn't. I assumed she was Italian because it takes place in Italy and they play her as Italian. but
2: Yeah, she looks Italian, actually. I, oh, I looked she at the totally
1: looks real. Italian. Yeah. She is going to remind you in the film, and I think they cast her really be- beautifully because she's got this feral physical quality, much like Natalia Tenna or the woman that was in the Lucky McKee film. I think it was called Woman. Was it called Woman?
2: uh the woman maybe maybe something like that
1: or like Paz de la Huerta this kind of um feral sexuality yeah you know Uh, yeah
2: yeah that 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 certain thing that Paz de la Huerta has that it's unexplainable
1: yeah right exactly now but this woman's you know she's likable she's she's more like Natalia Tena than than de la Huerta but um it's a good film man I gotta be honest though have you seen It Follows yet?
2: No, I, haven't. I actually have it on Blu-ray at the house, and well, I just haven't watched it yet.
1: Very curious to see which one you prefer. I prefer It Follows. If Oh,
2: you know, I, that reminds me. I, mean, I forgot to mention Black Sea. I watched Black Sea as well.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how was that?
2: That was good. That was good. Uh, it, it's too long, but, you know, I think we've talked about before that we're both big Jude Law fans.
1: Yeah, man, when he gets out and really spreads his legs.
2: Yeah, he's really good in this. Uh, it's basically the treasure of Sierra Madre on our sub. Nice. Uh and uh man Ben Mendelsohn plays a real fucking cunt in this
1: movie though. Well, man. Mendelsohn is one of the best character actors going. So Yes.
2: But he, it's really good. He's got a great like you know those ponytails people wear on top of their heads? Oh man. He wears that in the movie quite a <clears> bit. <throat> man, he's such a fucking asshole in the movie. But anyway, uh it's it's a good movie, not a great movie. I think you'd have to be in the mood for it, but it, it's easily even at a, I think it's like an hour and 53 minutes. Yeah. Even saying that, that's a half an hour too long. It wears out its welcome.
1: Oh, does it really?
2: Yeah, the director's good. Kevin MacDonald, I like him. He made Last King of Scotland. He's made a lot of great documentaries and stuff. Yeah. So it's really solid. Uh, it's weird that uh, Jude Law went with a Scottish accent. I, I, maybe there was a reason, but I never really heard the reason. Other than maybe those guys were Scottish. I don't know. But,
1: the reason was the season, man. Yeah. I don't
2: but know. But he does a pretty good job with that, even though I think he falls that falls off every now and then. I think you'll like it, but I don't think you'll love it, so I wouldn't rush to see it. But I think you'll...
1: That might be a good one to see with the wife, because, you know, recognizable actor.
2: Maybe, but it, it's its its like Treasure Sierra Madre. It's a very heavy dude movie. Okay. okay. Like, it's all dudes. There's no girls in this movie, and it's all about, you know, being a dude.
1: All right, well, so I'm, I'm down. Mendelssohn and Law, those are two actors yeah. I love, so... Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think you'd like it, but I, I'd be surprised if you loved it. But I would yeah, recommend yeah. you check it out, you know.
1: I did want to mention two more things. A few weeks ago, I had the, the distinct pleasure of seeing, well, maybe pleasure is a bad choice of word. Well, the company was pleasurable, the film, not pleasurable, even though I love it, uh, of seeing Angst. Yeah. Uh, the car. Yeah, that's bubble.
2: getting the, the Blu ray release, sir.
1: Thank goodness, because it's, it's, for my money, you know, like top five horror films of the 80s. I mean, it's just a tremendous masterpiece. I had the chance to finally see it on the big screen. Went with Jay from the group. Um, the uncool cat went with Rob, went with Vish, and uh, it was a good time, man. It was—I uh, didn't get to mention a few weeks ago, but it was great to hang out with them, and and we'll have to do it again. But uh, angst on the big screen was was unbelievable. Uh, and then on my vacation this week, I got to just quickly give a shout out to uh, NYC, man, NYC, PA, and uh, Maryland, because uh, my wife and I took the kids to New York for some for a lot of fucking walking. <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh, a lot of walking, a lot of sightseeing, and uh Tuesday night we got to have a, a party in Harlem at uh Emily and Rufus's place, and it was great to be with um the GGTMC community. Yeah, you know, Randy and Lisa were there, Keith uh Dapper Keith with the the true vintage bottle of JMB. He had the Zubaz tie on. Oh yeah. He was working it. Uh, Sean and Jay from the PA, <laughs> Shaka who also uh it was he's the uh the other gentleman that owns the home with uh, or lives in the home with rufus and emily uh fozzy was there uh the deadly doll was there uh james and uh of Sin awesome and uh shells bells his girlfriend so there was a great group of people um an amazing night uh Gosh, you know, I could heap many more superlatives, but I want to thank you. Yeah,
2: I've I've met a handful of those folks, and there's a handful of those folks I've always wanted to meet, so I'm looking forward to meeting them someday.
1: Great people, man. Great people. And it's moments like that that make, you know, there's two things that kind of keep I think you and I going on the show. A, the bromance between us, and then B, the circle of friends we've made along the way. Because right now we're recording at 1.30 in the morning. You're at work. i got to get up in five hours. Um, but I, I was kind of tired a little bit, but I'm, I'm energized here talking film with you with, with my man. So
0: it's, uh, it's
2: interesting. It's interesting. I always think it's really interesting. The family aesthetic, because you can, you can go like, I haven't seen Randy and Lisa for about a year and a half now, maybe two Mm -hmm. years, but I guarantee you that the minute I would see them, it'd be just like, you know seeing it'd be just like seeing my family at home. I mean, cause I, I have such comfort with those people and I haven't seen Jake for about a year and a half. I haven't seen Zom for a while. Or I haven't seen Alex for quite a few years. I haven't seen, uh, you know, a few other folks for quite a bit of time, but, that's the great thing, is like, you know, we me and you, we can you know, we could fly to LA, we could fly to Austin, we could fly to New York City, we could
1: fly to Boston.
2: Yeah, you know, we could go to these places yeah. and we always have a warm welcome. These yeah, these people that are we consider family and that's that's what that is what it's all about. As as cheesy as that sounds sometimes, that's really the truth. It really is a great feeling. And I, I knowing that every time I go somewhere, there's potential that I can meet somebody that likes the same types of things that I like
1: cinema wise is awesome. Man, it was amazing. And I got to mention, I, I didn't mention because, uh, you know, uh, he's kind of in the back of the photo here. Uh, Joe Yannick, oh, I've said his last name, I don't think Joe will mind. But um, man, what a great group of people, man, like just, you know, to eat and have a couple of drinks and a couple of laps. And the crazy thing was, I've never had my kids at any kind of party before other than like one for kids where I'm like the awkward giant at the party. You know, this is their first time at a grown up thing. And it's testament to the kind of quality of people that are in our group that we're friends with because there'd be times where if I was upstairs, Teresa was in the backyard, my kids were cool because Rufus was playing Lego with them or like uh, Jason was playing um, uh, like Ninja Turtles with them. So. You know, shells was. I mean, it was just, yeah, it was super cool, man. Super cool.
2: Well, I mean, that's kind of the future of these hangouts a little bit. I think we know that the future of these hangouts. So you know, it's good. Nobody got sloppy drunk and
1: no. You know, none if my of kids, kids weren't kind of there, there. I would, I would have, and it wasn't a Tuesday night. I would have got a few more into me though. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Well, my, my wife's always a concern. I'm always like, what do you think is going to happen? I take Landon to one of these parties. going to get a golden shower or something. I mean, nothing like that's going to happen. But then no. I think. Well if somebody gets shit face drunk it could happen. So Yeah.
1: No well luckily enough it's always such a quality quality group of people. I'm always amazed at the quality of human beings that that we end up with.
2: Like, yeah, because you know you gotta the
1: human beings.
2: Yeah, because I go to a lot I've been to a lot of parties in my life. I don't go to a lot anymore because I'm always busy. But uh, you know, I've been to a lot of parties where people drink and fights break out and Ugh. uh girls tops come off, gas bottoms come off, all kinds of craziness goes on. Yeah. But all of these folks we've met through the podcast, outside of Zom, nobody's ever taken their clothes off in front of me. So it's, oh. it's pretty interesting.
1: It's amazing, yeah. It's <laughs> it's just amazing. Um, yeah, I, I could I could go on and on. I really really could because like just it's so good. It just melts my heart to see how many amazing friends we've made uh, through.
2: Well, what's interesting is is we keep making them. That's yeah, that's the part. It's that just blows, insane, that's, man. Blows my mind.
1: It's just insane. Like if it's just. Yeah, and my wife gets it. I mean, she's totally on board. Like, she loves the community. She knows how many amazing people are there. You know, because she's been doing enough of the events now and and seen what it's all about, and seeing you know, seen these people interacting with our kids, and you know, it's just, uh, yeah, it's the best. It's the best. And I got to get uh, get you. We got to get. I said, man, I was talking to Sean. I said we got to get Sammy. Got to get the uh, the power. Yeah, up.
2: I'll get up that way. I haven't been up that way in a long time.
1: Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely, but uh, that's all I've watched uh, and all you've watched. I think we're gonna take a break. And what one do you want to uh, talk about first here?
2: Um, I don't care. Uh, I know I'll have more to say about one than the other. But yeah. I don't know which one you want to do first. It's up um, to you.
1: Let's do Astral Factor first. Okay okay we're gonna take a short break we're gonna switch our suede's and uh we'll be right back hey this is scott of married with clickers tune in to hear my wife cat and me discuss all sorts of movies we'll cover everything from the lost weekend to weekend at bernie's from the big sleep to big mama's house well maybe not big mama's house and the great thing about cat is that she's not afraid to speak her mind and would you be surprised to hear he was nominated for best actor that year
0: for that film
1: for that film (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but don't take my word for it. Just listen to what the gentleman's guide to Midnight Cinema has to say about our show.
2: It's a husband and wife show and
1: they discuss movies and stuff. Yeah, a very wife husband show. High praise indeed. So come find us at marriedwithclickers.libsen.com. It will save your life. Or maybe just help you kill an hour. All right, we're back. We've uh, located some some baby powder. We've, yep. Uh, Sammy switched his suede. I've uh, gone to a lycra. It breathes a little more in the heat. Yeah. <laughs> so, got the baby oil boy, baby oiled up again. So we're good to go, man. We're good to go. Uh, first episode, first film of this episode is uh, 1978's The Astral Factor. Again, programmed by Mister Higgins, Mister Hamakis. And I'll, uh, I'll summarize this. It's got a great summary, as we were talking about off the air. A convicted strangler... Let's do
0: silver and gold voice. The convicted strangler, studying the paranormal in his jail cell, learns to make himself invisible. As an invisible man, he escapes from prison to stalk and strangle the five women who testified against him at his trial. Robert Foxworth plays the police lieutenant assigned to protect them and to catch the invisible strangler. (laughs) Thank you, Brian C. Madsen. (laughs) Well. Yeah, that is
2: kind of what happens. I I never really got the, I don't know, maybe I missed a a key plot point, but I never really got the fact that he was actually out getting revenge, except for the fact that, you know, he just, I don't know, I never really heard that. I didn't know they testified against him, so.
1: I think there was a courtroom scene at one point, wasn't there? I don't remember. They shoot horses.
2: (laughs) It's been a couple weeks now,
1: right, so. Yeah, true, man. True enough. That's always the dodgy thing with you and I, man. recording an episode two weeks after we've seen a movie. All that minutia, we're gonna have no idea what it meant.
2: Yeah, I mean the stuff I think that's memorable, I can totally remember here, but I don't remember a courtroom scene. So.
1: Yeah, I think I think there was one. I think.
2: I can. Uh, you want me to lead on this?
1: Uh, I don't. It'd be great because I'm uh, having a hard time tracking down notes. <laughs>
2: okay. Uh. So yeah, our our lead, our bad guy, so to speak. Uh, he had he's been studying ESP in prison, which means that uh, he doesn't know how to tune his bunny ears for his TV, because you know he keeps turning into TV snow every time he wants to teleport.
1: You see, it all comes back to that Lycra with the static from my nightmare <laughs> yeah. a few weeks ago.
2: Yeah, it really does. It really does. <clears throat> so it's interesting, the but that you can study ESP in prison, and uh, you know, I did. I thought for a moment. I thought for a moment that I was going to have one of those great notes where I'd be able to say, you know, in this film we have uh, death by a telekinetic prison mattress,
0: which well, we
2: didn't really have. It came
1: close. It was Frank Ashmore, right? He was the, the killer?
2: Yeah, yeah, I believe well, so. Well,
1: if, if – or uh, playing Roger Sands. Yes. If right. Roger had to take a head and take his foot off the gas, we would have had that.
2: Yeah. But I never I should... thought I'd ever get to say that. I always like being able to say – you know, some kind of wacky death. So I thought there was going to be a really wacky one there, but it didn't quite work out. That scene worked pretty well. I think the opening of this movie does work. I think yeah, I, I, I like – there's some things about this film that I like and there's some things about it I don't like. The the lead detective, he's fine. Robert Foxworth, he was mostly a TV actor. I've seen him in a few other things, mostly TV movies of the period. He always kind of reminded me of uh, – well – uh, Paul Brady, you know uh, uh, Robert, Rex, Robert Reed, Robert Reed, yeah.
0: I'm just calling Rex Reed. <laughs> Ooh, different, yeah.
2: <laughs> That's definitely a different Reed. Yeah. Uh, I like that his lead detective kind of like you know loves like it, it's like he really enjoys. They give it a little moment where he's like enjoying like a silent film or something.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I thought, man, that'd be kind of cool if they kind of keep that motif going that he likes movies and you know he hates getting interrupted when he's watching his movies. And I mean, he's got a great girlfriend, Stephanie Power. She was always sexy. I always. Yeah, thought
1: she, she was. was. Really nice. Uh,
2: the stuff that works in this film for me, the bad guy is not as interesting as he needs to be.
1: Uh, no, I, I don't know that that's him so much. I, I feel like this film feels, just to be frank, I feel like it's got a great um, setup, mm-hmm. and I feel like everyone looks the part, but I feel like the direction for this is really, and it's got a good cast. I mean, you, Foxworth looks the part, Stephanie Powers, got Elkie Summer in here, um, yeah, got
2: Elkie gets a lot to chew on in this one. Too. Yeah, Elky
1: is one of my favorites kind of scream queen. She's got a great scream, man. Um, you know, but I just feel like it feels made for TV, and and jo- uh, John Florea and Gene Fowler were the directors. They, well, uh, now
2: there's another uncredited director, Arthur C. Pierce. So that I think right there and then you, you see what the problem is.
1: Well, you do, and I think you also get guys that worked pretty much exclusively on TV, which gives it a TV feel. The yeah. fact that the film... Um, in a lot of ways, you know, I think it has the potential to be so much fun and so sleazy, but it feels very chast in spots. Yeah, yeah. Where it could have been, uh, you know, it could have really ran with it. Like you know, you could have had like a little bit of shocker, a little bit of uh, invisible maniac. Uh, well, I think uh, you know when we talked
2: about this a little bit right before we started recording, but I think that you know, like Verhoeven handled this better in Hollow Man. Yeah, this ability to you know, if you have the power to be invisible. And you take advantage of it in a bad mm-hmm. way. In that movie, you know, you have rape, you have uh, dogs being killed. I mean, it's just a nasty movie in a lot of ways. It's yeah. not a great movie, The Hollow Man, but it is nasty. So very interesting. Anyway, I did like the relationship between Stephanie Powers and Foxworth. I thought that stuff yeah. really worked. They really seemed like a couple that was. You know, she's kind of aloof in a kind of a great way. Like <laughs> he leaves to because he gets called in for murder, and he leaves, and she says, "Have a nice day." Or have a nice time
0: yeah <laughs> which
2: it, is kind of funny uh and then there's a great moment where she makes a cake that looks like it's made out of rubber yes <laughs> and he has oh, a yeah. beer with that cake
1: which is that's a bad move right there that's man. a terrible move man that beer beer and chocolate cake come on beer man. and any sweet is just dreadful because the sweet is going to make that beer taste so skunky
2: yeah yeah that's
1: almost just, as bad as brushing your teeth and drinking a glass of orange juice
2: yeah yep yeah. Or nuts and gum as we always say right
1: that's um, in gum yeah that's right beer so and chocolate kick together at last
2: yeah <laughs> we get uh we get uh, the introduction of a, a, a police uh kind of a, a partner and i'm gonna do my impersonation of the partner right now hang on ready for it yeah you hear that <laughs> yeah <laughs> this fucking guy holt man he loves to click a pin
1: he does and,
2: man he clicks the fuck out of a pin
1: he does uh, man
0: he does he's well. got
2: a couple good moments too I think that this is where, like we said, the direction I think the story of this is good. I think the actors are good. I think um everybody is slightly interesting,
0: yeah, they are and I that's think the, the direction weird
2: thing. of the film, yeah, I think the direction of the film, and I agree with you, this thing's a mess because everything here is has possibility to be very, very good, but it turns into. Well, I mean, it's just it, the stalking scenes are not that great.
1: There's no the tension. Kill, and they feel flat.
2: Yeah, the kills don't feel great, or and they don't look great as
1: no. much as they should. No, and they feel, again, very tame.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and there's really good scenes with good writing and stuff. I mean, there's a scene here where Elky Summer offers to make a salad to Foxworth with a special sauce. Let me tell you something. If Elky Summer offers to make you a salad with her own special sauce, you do not pass that up.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely not, man. That's another one. Elkie <laughs> Summer isn't my type, but something about her, man, drives me wild.
2: Oh no, she she is she's sex sexy. She yeah. totally is. Yeah, she, could you could you, you bottle that up. Oh you know. You'd, can you, you'd have a oh man, you'd have a
1: <laughs> She's yeah, she's dynamite. But can you imagine, just to give this thing some energy, like <laughs> You hand it over to, like, Argento in the 70s or you give it to just – it's someone that worked a lot in that era. Even someone like – just someone that was going to go for it, man. Even, like, Richard Donner or someone.
2: Well, that's you know. the weird – yeah, that's the weird thing about this movie. It has some truly bonkers moments.
1: It does, but they're just served, like – I mean, the so flying fly
2: bust and the chandeliers and shit.
1: With The shootout, that, some of that stuff's <laughs> –
2: Ridiculous. that shit is fucking wacky
1: <laughs> and we should say this is on youtube it's a beat-ass print but it's on youtube
2: yeah yeah yeah. if anybody wants to watch it it is on youtube
1: oh you, yeah, um, you imagine yeah someone yeah there's there's i think there's a lot of capable 70s kind of workman horror directors or genre yeah directors.
2: including including the fact that it deals with mommy issues which is another you know I'm thing that. that was becoming kind of uh popular at the time you know i got a great doctor in here it sounds like a a very, like, nasally Ronald Reagan. He seen these people <laughs> remind him of his mother.
1: Yeah,
0: totally. You know, kind of <laughs> totally.
2: And, uh, you know, another one of those doctor scenes where he explains the whole motivation of uh, the the killer uh, type thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it is weird how silly it is uh, at, at times. I don't think that's a bad thing, though. I think they should have. Maybe they should have went for, like, horror comedy more in this one. And I think, may, well, it, it feels like two different well, it is two different filmmakers. We know that, but possibly three. But that's what it feels like, too. It feels like moments that the characters are having fun and interacting. And there's jokes. It feels like that's one filmmaker. And then it feels like there's suspense moments It's another filmmaker. And, you know, other moments, which possibly might be a third filmmaker. And you mix that all together. The other problem with this movie is the story is slow. It, it's a longer movie than it needs to be, and it's slow. It, it moves. It creeps. And oh, yeah. it needs to be shorter. And <clears throat> I think Foxworth, even though he's fine and I like his character, I don't think he's a strong enough leading man. Now I, I think that they were trying to make him one with this film, and he did a few leading parts. And like I said, he did some TV and some things like that. But I think you know they needed a stronger. Well, we always say this. I think they needed a stronger antagonist and a stronger protagonist. I think both of them are kind of miscast in a way in this. I don't think. Fox Wars miscast so much, it's just
1: He's under directed. He looks the part. He's kinda got that like David Warbeck. Mm, He even feels like the third member, like it would be like Starsky, Hutch, and Barrett. Yeah. Like he's kinda got the thing down, but and like you said, I I feel like there's they do flesh out things, people everyone's given a moment, but they just don't give it any pizzazz.
2: Yeah. It's weird because it's a movie about ESP, which was very popular in the seventies, obviously. Oh, big time. And, you know, the the telekinetic and all this stuff. You get moments where statues of, I don't know, Ludwig von Beethoven, maybe, are flying through the air and trying to kill Robert Foxworth and his partner Holt. You have harpoon deaths and a scuba strangle. If I, if I told you there's a harpoon death in this movie, you'd never see that coming because at no point in time does this foreshadow that they're going to be on a yacht <laughs> at some <point. laughs> And they're going to have this, you know, this uh, scuba killer. You know, it, it, it's so weird. It's it, it's just so strange. I don't know. I'd be curious where Brian saw this or how he came across this the first time. Because this is one of those movies where, uh, obviously, I'd never heard of it. You'd never heard of it. Yeah. Obviously, we started looking into it as soon as we knew Brian picked it. Um, as, you know, we knew what all the films everybody picked was. So we, we looked them all up, right? I mean, I know I did. I looked them all oh, up. Naturally. Some of them I already knew. Uh, the Art of Dying, for instance, I've seen before, and of course, uh, one we're going to do next week. I'm a big fan of, but as am I. But the the uh, the kind of interesting thing about this one is, I I kind of love when film lovers like us and and all of our friends come across something that nobody else does, and and you know they ask you, you know, you have that moment where you say, hey man, have you ever seen? You know, the Astro Factor. Let's just go ahead and use that for an example. And I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck that is. No. And uh, this is one of those moments. I wish the film was better. I don't know what Brian thinks of it. I'd be curious. But I wish it was better.
1: I think he probably more than anything, I think he appreciates having sort of a dry British wit. I feel like he appreciates the absurdity of it all. I have to think that's what it is.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean... It's a solid premise with average execution. It's not nearly as bad as the 3.5 rating it has on IMDb.
1: 3.5 is left for some real messy films.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's that bad. I think at the worst, this thing's just like slightly above average. And for those that are interested, maybe big Foxworth fans or <laughs> Stephanie Powers fans <laughs> or even Elkie Summer fans, I don't sure. know, or even mm-hmm. just fans of the absurd, like this harpoon and the scuba death uh, the bust and the flying, the kind of haunted house kind of, you know, stuff on strings, really wacky, yeah, really old school, like wacky, people, practical effects shit.
1: If you like seeing sort of struggling actors act, um, with no <laughs> one else in the room. Yeah. Then this is your kind of film.
2: Or even if you're a fan of bad wallpaper, you know, if you're like you like, you know, Jared oh. Hess and his, uh, 70 aesthetic, you know, this <laughs> kind of looks like it came straight out of, you know, Napoleon Dynamite in some ways.
1: Yeah. Big time.
2: Uh, I like the movie. I didn't love the movie. Uh, I was, you know, I'll be frank in saying that I, I was hoping it was sleazier because the premise sounded so sleazy.
1: It's a really delicious premise.
2: Yeah. And uh, I was hoping there'd be some, I know this sounds disgusting, but I was hoping there'd be some sleazier elements with the mom and the son. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't need to explain that any further because you started laughing. So I know exactly yeah, yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, this is something, you know. There's a certain type of sleaze factor I was looking for. I'm not saying that I judged it on the fact that it's a sleazy summer pick. I judged it on its own. But I just felt like even with that premise, so much more could have been done. And I don't know if it's because – I don't feel this was made for television, but you know, it almost kind of feels like it was because it doesn't kind of go for that stuff. I mean, it totally yeah, you get LP like Summer in a bathing suit, and yeah, you get Stephanie Powers with Noah Pants on. But and you get to see your ass, I think, at one point.
1: Yeah, but that's all you so, see.
2: Yeah, but I mean, and, and, and that's great. That all works and stuff. But I think the problem is, is that the premise isn't isn't the premise isn't lived up to, right? I mean, because we just think we know. I just think like Verhoeven with the Hollow Man, he took that to the darkest primal instincts of male sexual fantasy. Okay, I can't be seen. I can do whatever I want. You take this warped mind. And you do these awful things to people. uh, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying that's what he's, he's taking that primordial, you know, animal instinct that the male psyche has. And Mm -hmm. he's kind of really kind of throwing that in your face. And I think Verhoeven does that better than, well, just about anybody. Yeah. Um, You know, mankind and it's kind of inhumane treatment of each other. I mean, he's, he's one of the best, right? So I, I think if you had those type of moments in this film, then I think you'd have a, a pretty great like underseen gym. So
0: yeah, no,
1: I, I would agree with that.
2: That that's all I got.
1: All right, um, astral. Okay, we talked about uh, it's gonna kind of being a new wavy kind of shocker. Um, and our astral projector goes after the poor man's no talent Curtis Mayfield.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. He, he gives yeah. him a warning. Uh, he's got these amazing sparkly eyes.
2: Yeah, he's got the starry eyes, the starry yeah.
1: eyes. And which is what's amazing about like the early sequences of his abilities. I wish we had to see more because I think near the end he just mostly just he's invisible. But we get some great kind of fun, almost like Sesame Street level stop motion. Yeah, where he cracks the dude's glasses. <laughs> he uh, drops his books on his head, I think, and he smothers him with a mattress. <laughs> then he kicks him with his desert boot. So
2: that's the other thing. It's, it's it, that you mentioned that it is interesting. I think the guy that plays the bad guy is fine. He's fine, but I don't think you see enough of him. I think
1: he's yeah, you mostly, literally don't see enough yeah. of him.
2: I think he's you know mostly an apparition. I think that's to the film's detriment more than
1: anything. It's almost like that. This, and I say this later on in my notes, but this is a genius way for you. Like if you want to go to the Godfrey host school of stretching a dollar, Oh yeah. you cast, you know, Richard Harrison, let's say as this kind of villain, you get him to shoot five or six scenes <laughs> yeah. and then you just have him throw sh- him, quote unquote, throw shit around the room. Right. It's a way to stretch that, uh, that cameo, man. um, yeah, and he studies the supernatural. And uh, it's weird, man. The score for this is kind of the, the shimmery, kind of dying Casio keyboard. It's it's very bizarre. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how about this? Richard uh, or Roger Sands has to be the most poorly conditioned. Um, what's the word? Metaphysical? Is that, is that what I'm looking for here?
2: Yeah, yeah sure.
1: I mean, he's just. He's so poorly conditioned. This dude is the heaviest breather in the history of invisible person cinema. <laughs> yeah, he's a pretty heavy breather. I mean, you he, know,
2: I've always wondered if it's cold outside, you know, and you're invisible. Doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose? Because you know, people would be able to see the steam coming out, right? They'd be like, Yeah, they totally would. That's kind of weird.
1: <laughs> and then she do like that thing, like Bazooka Joe's buddy does, and you wear a scarf over your mouth all the time.
2: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's, Might it's a have good to point. Do that. I haven't had a, I haven't had a bazooka Joe in a while, man. Need to
1: need to get on that. Yeah, that's right, man. Um, his his resting heart rate rate must be through the roof. I mean, I thought when you get into like all that Zen mysticism, it like calms everything down. But he's just as <sighs> well,
2: I mean, he's, well. The weird thing is, is you got a character that gets into Zen mysticism and ESP, but he's a raging killer at the same he's time. A ra- so I don't. <laughs> I don't know if those two coincide to work out, you know. Yeah,
1: that, that moccasin doesn't fit.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's true.
1: At all. It's true. Um, what does it say? I think there's a pretty good intense strangling, and the woman has to act it out like she's being strangled, which, again, it's fun to see marginally talented actors act when there's no one else in the room acting with them because they're playing off someone who's invisible.
2: Oh, yeah. That... Still to this day, the cl- most classic moment I've ever seen of that actually happened in a more recent film. And that would be Mark Wahlberg's performance in The Happening. Oh, when man. when he's talking to the wind, Yeah, it is the most hanging your actor out to dry moment I have ever seen. It is so unbearable it, and uncomfortable for an actor.
1: Sh- it's a shame it wasn't the fifth wind.
2: Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it it's is so a moment awkward. that I mean, talk about cringeworthy, and a moment that Mark Wahlberg in his career, trust me, that that moment will never live live him down. It will be with him till the end of time
1: for life.
2: Yep, yeah. and, and he's gonna he's gonna regret that. Um, and Shyamalan's gonna regret it too because it I was a bad it. idea.
1: I love when they don't know when to cut the shot and they just linger on someone and hang them out to dry. Yeah.
2: Um. yeah. I hope. I wonder if that's on a clip and uh, on the YouTube. Because if it is, I might post that.
1: Because it's gotta be. It's
2: it's it is easily the most. I mean, I felt so bad. I mean, I like Mark Wahlberg. I'm not his biggest fan, but I do think he's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I enjoy most of the movies he makes. But uh, lately, well, less well, lately, I don't think I've enjoyed as many as I have in the past. No,
1: he's he's kind of. Yeah, he sub-
2: started out a little stronger. He's kind of fallen yeah. by the wayside for me now. Like now, when I see a Mark Wahlberg film, I'm not really super.
1: I'm just like, ugh.
2: Yeah, I mean, even like that remake of The Gambler just didn't even look interesting.
1: No, me, right? no so, interest, zero, zero. So,
2: zero. but up until the happening and stuff, I was still enjoying his films quite a bit. And uh, again, it's not his fault. That's that's Shyamalan, but still. No. I like that's a, uh, a bad deal.
1: <laughs> I like the happening because it is it is so like I can't believe this got made and I can't like it's it's gonna I'm telling you it's gonna be like Exorcist two for us. Oh yeah no no yeah I mean no, I it's totally really agree. out there. Yeah and I totally got, agree. And it's got it's got a few amazing scenes visually like the scene with the construction workers falling that's an amazing scene.
2: Yeah the opening of the happening is amazing
1: It's strong when you get him like do you know talking to like plants and things. It's like um, it's like that Stevie Wonder album. What's it called? Something, uh, the Life of Plants or something.
2: There's scenes where he actually runs from the wind, and he can actually. It seems like he actually predicts when it's going to turn.
1: That's Uh, that's a gift, man.
2: That is a gift. Let me tell you.
1: That's a big gift. (laughs) Um,
2: But I agree with you. I think it's. I think it's a generation's Exorcist two, and they don't even know it yet.
1: They don't. But trust me, I'm telling you, I'm on board, man. I've been on board since day one. It's so fucking ridiculous. Um
2: That is the power of a filmmaker who's had a lot of hits. That's what that is.
1: Absolutely. Because they're like, you know what? We have blind faith. You've made us so much money with these other films that we were unsure about. This kid he sees this and I don't want to spoil it, even though everyone's fucking seen it. Um, you know, uh this other guy and you know, comic books and Yeah. You know, it just you got aliens, the aliens. And blah, blah, blah. I'll tell you this, and I haven't seen it since theater. I really liked Signs.
2: Yeah, Signs. It's is probably
1: good. my favorite of his.
2: Yeah, well, my favorite's Unbreakable, but Signs is close.
1: Really liked Signs. It was a shame, man. Joaquin and Mel before mowing off the deep end, and two actors I really love. Yeah. But uh, what does this say? Teresa jumps. Oh, man, yeah, Stephanie Powers, man. She Robert Foxworth got it made in the shade. Because much like Teresa does for me, she jumps on his back in a fur coat when he gets Oh yeah, yeah.
0: that's
1: good. That's good. But yeah, the partners, you mentioned this, the partners are likable enough together. No real style or pizzazz, but that's more a directorial thing, I think, than anything. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Well, I I like that the whole character's obnoxious, and that Foxworth, even though he hates the whole character and really doesn't want him, he still, you know, just like you really would in real life when you work with people you can't stand, you make do. You know, you make do with it, and you still try. Yep. I, I like that they do that. I like that he's obnoxious and at the same time they still work and you know again, I think all the characters are interesting in the film. I just think the film itself is
1: not that interesting. Elkie Summers given a bizarre it feels like she's trying to do like a Nigerian warlord accent at one point. <laughs> I don't know what they were going for. If she's trying, trying to make her like South African or something. It's uh, <laughs> rough, man. Uh, um She's Swedish, right? Yeah, I want to say she's Swedish. Oh, quick question, man. And I and I know you know who she is. Who's your favorite Elkie? Elkie Summer or Elkie the Stallion? <laughs>
2: well, that's, uh, you know, that's apples and a very large orange. Yeah, difference.
1: that sure is, man. <laughs>
2: But, uh, yeah, I like one more for the purpose she serves, (laughs) and I like the other one more as an actor. So you go ahead and figure that
1: out. (laughs) Yeah, man. I'm with you. I'm with you.
2: I don't think Elkie the Stallion's done any film.
1: Well, she might have done some film. Some verite, if you will, baby.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some video, right? I don't know if there's any actual
1: film
2: of her. I'm actually kind of surprised nobody's kind of used her in any way, shape, or form.
1: Maybe a few hip-hop videos.
2: Yeah. yeah, I know who Elkie is.
1: Yeah, it's weird. She's, she's I think she's had some bad plastic surgery, but some of her early, uh, early work was inspiring. Um, <laughs> yeah,
2: inspiring. That's the right word, yeah.
1: Yeah. What did I say here? Someone makes out hard with a wire? I don't even know what that means.
2: I don't even remember sense. what that is. Huh? But again, it's been two weeks, so I don't remember a wire.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Oh, maybe, but the shootout with the cops... When like the invisible man's throwing shit at them and the shindig, they- that stuff's fun. That stuff's ridiculous.
2: It is. It's totally I ridiculous. There was more of
1: them going for it like that and just, yeah,
2: it's you know, it, yeah, Mexican that's what I'm lunacy
1: saying. or Italian lunacy.
2: Yeah. Oh, totally. One of my notes is oh, it totally. does feel in those moments. It's almost like watching like Ghost House or something like that. It's
1: it totally, totally does. It totally
2: insane. Does. At that point, yeah. you say to yourself, just keep going for this because you you don't have anything else going for you. You gotta you gotta go for the craziness. Yep. Take it all the way over the top. Just, just true. Go for Take it. Take
0: it to the limit.
2: <laughs> yeah. Re- remake this movie. Put Nicholas Cage as the, the, as the lead detective.
1: Yes. And then uh, I'm trying fine. to think
2: who would be who would be a lot of fun. I'll have him as the lead detective and have Crispin Glover as the bad guy. That'd be fun. And then you know get a great kind of another kind of crazy wacky actor as the as the as the as the, as the uh, partner. And just let those guys just turn them loose.
1: Are right. <laughs> we gonna get B- Busey as the bad guy?
2: Oh, my God. That would be amazing.
1: <laughs> oh, man.
2: That'd be amazing. It would. Be. I mean, of course, my dream film would probably have Nick Cage, Crispin Glover, Gary Busey, Timothy Carey, oh. uh, maybe, maybe High Pike, and a few other crazy- High Pike actors. would
1: bring the thunder, man. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> because, as, as you know, some of my favorite actors of all time are the ones that, you know, they just do not give a fuck. They go for it. They don't care what the hell they're doing. They're going to go for it.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, let's get into make or breaks.
2: Uh, my make or break is the scene with the stuff flying around and going crazy. I really like that scene. And I'll, actually, I was giggling more than I was. I mean, obviously, I wasn't terrified. But uh, I, think, I don't think that's what they were going for either. It wasn't a spooky scene. No. But I love that these two cops go into this house and stuff's just flying around all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, you know, it's just like, what the fuck? Uh, my MVT is the characters themselves. I can't single out one over the other. I think Foxworth's fine. I think Holt's fine. Stephanie Powers is fine. elkie Summers fine. The the bad guy's fine. He's not given a lot to do, but he's fine. Uh, everybody's fine. But I mean, I think that the actors are better than the material. So I I think the yeah, yeah, the customer interaction is probably my MVT because. I do think the customers were are the customers. The I was wondering where
1: you're going with that customer thing, the customer <laughs> interaction and stuff.
2: But. Yeah, the, the <laughs> character interaction is uh, is definitely a positive.
1: Yes, agree. Yeah,
2: that that's about it. Uh, my score is uh, 5.5. I I liked it. I didn't love it. It's a little bit above average. I've seen worse, and I've seen much better. I mean, I really don't have much else to say. It's just it's there, but. There are a few moments of gonzoness that I think some people will enjoy.
1: Yeah, agreed. I mean, imagine the same dude that directed uh, the Infernal Rapist directed this.
2: Yeah, something like that, or like you know, like you said, you were talking about the Italians, you were talking Lanzi about Argento stuff like or that. Gianfilo I mean, to me, like this is almost tailor May. I mean, obviously in '76, Argento's making uh, what is he making? Suspiria in '76, or is he making? Was he making in '76? I can't 70s, remember. About
1: that. I thought I thought I thought Suspiria was '77, but I think... yeah,
2: yeah, so. He's already playing in Suspiria at that point, and you know I don't remember what he made before Suspiria. I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm not the world's.
1: Yeah, Suspiria story. was 77. Yeah, so
2: 75 was deep red, yeah?
1: I believe 74, 75 was deep red. 75 yeah. was deep red. So it was deep red, and then 77, and then 80 was Inferno, 82 was Tenebrae. 85— he really fucking cranks it up with phenomena, which we gotta yeah. cover at some point. So
2: really his kinda his his kinda golden period really is there, and there for at least for some. For me not so much, but for some and certainly the majority of folks, that's kind of his golden period of wackiness and argentleness. And mm-hmm. So you give him some of this material and yeah, or you give any of the Italian directors of the time this material and they're gonna go for it. They they, they would see that this story's moving along slow.
1: Other than, other than, I don't think Martino. Would, I think I don't think he does this kind of bonker stuff as well as like a Fulci or a Lenzi or a D'Angelis or someone would. Or Diadalo. No, or,
2: no, he yeah, he doesn't really have the.
1: More I straight. You no, know, he
2: doesn't have the monkeys and the razor blades. I mean, he's not that no. kind of guy. But I mean, he does have the sexual part of it down. He'd, he'd, he does. He put, put more of that in there, probably.
1: I think what he would need to kind of turn the page would be to shake hands with the chimp.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I can tell you from experience that changed my life so, yeah uh,
1: man that comes with grip
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> shaking hands with a chimp
1: that's amazing
2: some of the things you think you never talk about in your life again
1: <laughs> just come up out of nowhere that's amazing Amazing. <laughs>
2: did you give you didn't give your score or anything?
1: I've not, oh, not. Okay, sorry. Um <laughs> it's okay. No, my make or break uh, the extent of a break is just kind of the A to B standard pacing. Like we've said several times, just really go for it. Uh, there's not one scene that broke it, but it just I felt like you really had the potential to do something really fun with this and you didn't.
2: Yeah, see, MV- that's just what the I think that's the reason why it always comes back to the Italians for me, because it's the Italians is they just always
1: they fuck you know, they it, just never. said
2: fuck it. They threw caution to the wind just went for
1: it. Yep, they totally do. MBT sometimes is,
2: they fell flat on their fucking face. <laughs> sometimes
1: but. It's, a, it's an embarrassing train wreck. Yes. In the best possible way. Because they still went for it. it. There's still an energy and it's still entertaining, which at the end of the day is fine by me. Yes. Um... MVT is the concept. Like I said, my score is a 5.25 out of 10. Okay. Um, you know, like I said, everyone's likable enough. They're just not interesting enough. Yeah. So.
2: And the story's yeah. just not, even with a great premise, it's just not followed through well enough, I don't think. So yeah, for sure. It's a shame. But sure. at the same time, it, it's not, it's easily not the, uh, some of the reviews I've seen online and stuff have, have made it out to be a total turd, and I don't think it's that.
1: No, for sure. For sure. It's not a total turd. I've seen, I don't think it, I think this 3.5 is a bit ridiculous.
2: Yeah, you can watch Wormwood. That'll give you the total turd. Yeah. Even though for some reason that has a near a seven on IMDb. But again, I guess I'm, obviously I'm a generation behind at this point.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but we got Jeff Barton and and our good pal Morris uh, repping for the home team, man.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's the way it goes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, uh, okay So we're gonna take a short break And we're gonna turn up to 11 With a guy who doesn't know how to keep it fucking. Yeah, this
2: is a guy Who knows how to go for it
1: Yeah, he fucking goes He gets the gold medal in going for it And that's uh, Wingshauser Doing yes. a double duty In the art of dying We'll be right back No one would
2: have
0: believed In the first years of the 21st century that hammer films were being watched from an entertainment standpoint. No one could have dreamed that anarchist films were being scrutinized as someone with a microscope studies creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. Few men even considered the possibility that this era of film still had anything to offer. And yet, across the Gulf of Space, minds immeasurably superior to our own regarded this podcast with envious eyes. And slowly. And surely, they drew their plans against it. The Hamicus Podcast. Hammer and Amicus, and every tenuous link in between. Hamicus.com and actions Cheers. All right,
1: we're back, and uh, we've just... Together, come up with the way you single-handedly save the astral factor. You get Wings Hauser doing triple duty. He stars as twins with amnesia, one good, one bad, and he directs the film. Yes, and yes. I'm sold. And he can and even he bring cast, Kenmont.
2: He cast Michael J. Pollard as his mother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that'd be amazing. That would be amazing because
2: anytime you cast michael j Pollard you get the same fucking performance every time
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but man talk about one of the most bizarre actors ever
1: <laughs> ah, he's great man i love him
2: i love him too i just it's amazing how much work that guy's gotten over his career
1: dude he's got over he's 112 credits in
2: yeah i mean he's he's unique there's no other act you you can't name an actor like michael j Pollard
1: no, you know who I always mix him up with is um Chicago actor that was in thief that played the heavy
2: oh uh the guy that we talked about uh, <laughs> oddly like having sex with or something I can't remember <laughs>
1: um prosky. Robert prosky Robert prosky, Robert prosky. <laughs> <laughs> massaging that prostate. <laughs> Bob Prosky died. Even, right. even though Prosky is much more physically intimidating, for some reason they remind me of each other.
2: Mm. Yeah,
1: I, can I don't see know why.
2: Hey, Prosky, he was in Christine too. That's why we did Christine. That yeah,
1: morning. that's right, man. A lot of he Prosky that love lately. A lot of prostate love lately. <laughs> so it's good. But uh, yeah, we're gonna uh, we're gonna get into the arch of dying with uh, wings. This was my pick. Um, <laughs> It's. Uh, I just picked it because it's fun. I want to do something sleazy and fun and ridiculous. We hadn't had any wings. Well, not we, but wings is someone we love. Called the Muscle loves, uh, Sylvan Gold loves. I think all of our friends love wings. Who doesn't love wings?
2: Uh, yeah, especially with the with the beer and
1: some uh, blue cheese. Huh? It's amazing.
2: But either, uh, either way, either way, I mean, yeah, the wings houser I, su- I I will contend till the day I'd uh one of the most underrated actors of his generation.
1: Man, if he ha- if he had someone really vouching for him to get some legit stuff, absolutely.
2: Yeah, I mean come on, you know, I want like, you know, Tarantino or somebody to get a hold of this guy. Put him you know, you know how happy I would have been if he'd have been in the hateful eight? Oh, come on.
0: Even Tarantino, if I of, you
2: know, there's some things that a, a director like Tarantino and these some of the great directors can do. I mean, like Tarantino makes Michael Madsen look like a genius actor. And let me which, tell you, yeah. Michael Madsen is not even close to a genius
1: actor. He really knows how to dial him in.
2: Yeah, he he makes some awful shit. And he, he, even in good shit, he can be awful. But yeah. when Tarantino has him, uh, there's just something that, you know, he calls him one of the coolest actors of all time. <laughs> when Tarantino uses him, he is cool. But when anybody else uses uh cool isn't always the word I think of. No. Embarrassing is sometimes Man, the word I think of. It's
1: rough <laughs> sometimes. It's really rough.
2: Yeah. But, but I mean, yeah, I mean the, the wings is a guy though who can be cool, can be evil, can he can deliver dialogue. He has some of the most natural ease in front of the camera of any actor that I can think of.
1: You know who, who Wings really reminds me of a lot in terms of his, what you just said, his ease in front of the camera, but also his instant ability to add charisma and chemistry with his co-stars is Burt Reynolds. He reminds me of him in that sense. Yeah, The energy he brings to relationships on screen, whether it's cop partners, whether it's his love interests, whomever.
2: Yeah, he has a natural ability. He makes the actors all around him better than they even are. It's true, and it's it's an amazing uh, talent. And he's again, I'll, I'll always say it. I've said it since we covered Vice Squad back in the day. He's one of the most underrated actors of his generation, easily.
1: Yeah, man, absolutely. Let's uh, let's synopsize this bad boy. Yeah, uh, cinematographer and his assistant, and this is also on YouTube. Uh, are attracting aspiring young actors and actors on the PM Entertainment Channel no less, which has all their yeah. films. Nice. Uh, yeah, very nice. Uh, aspiring young actors and actresses by getting them to try out for their movie. Once filming, the evil cameraman, the evil cameraman, actually kills them. The detective <laughs> on the case has his hands full, trying to keep, trying to help out runaways with stars in their eyes. <laughs> and some of the people he knows turn up dead. He takes it personally, and as he gets closer to the truth. His girlfriend is endangered. Man, that is a dog shit plot summary. Yeah, that is. Oof.
2: I, I mean, it's accurate, but it's it's badly composed.
1: Man. All right. So, do you want me to lead on this? Do you want to lead on it?
2: Uh, either way, I don't care. You can uh, lead. I can lead. I got plenty of notes on this puppy. I should say. I mean, I know you've already said, but uh, I think you kind of said for me too as well. But uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the art of dying and. I'm just curious at this point to how much you love it compared to me. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's... Because,
2: uh, I, I mean, I, I, I just have that feeling. I mean, this is a movie you watch with like-minded folks, and, you know, that you just have a really great
1: time. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Wings does double duty with the acting and starring. I've also heard that he wrote this film, but Mare, he took credit for the screenplay. Mm-hmm. So again to add to the the legend that is wings um
2: he's I, directed a few films i yeah? he did a few things I think with p m entertainment
1: oh so. yeah, yeah, um, I love the handwritten credits that open this film. It feels like yeah. thief or something, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it's got this kind of jazzy score, and the camera kind of pulls around the l a apartments and people bickering and I think wings is really trying to get, give you. A feel for this being kind of like an L.A. story. Because a lot of his films were L.A. He was a Southern California guy. And yeah. he's trying to give you pulpy, noir detective story mixed with contemporary sleaze of Los Angeles at the time.
2: Yeah. This movie is so Los Angeles. I mean, it, it nails Los Angeles in 1990,
0: 1991,
2: whenever it was made. Yeah. It nails it. It's just right the transition of Sunset Strip going from hair metal into you know, uh, a different type of, vibe, kind of gentrifying a little bit in some ways.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: but this is right before all that, right? So this is, it, I mean, I, that, this movie just oozes that, uh, LA from that period.
1: Yeah, it totally does.
2: And you're uh, right because I think he did, I think he was born and raised in Los Angeles or in Southern California. So, cause I think he grew up next door to Bob Denver, uh, Gilligan.
1: That's amazing.
2: And, uh, he, I think Bob didn't, I think Bob Denver may have owned a chimpanzee, by the way, to bring oh, it all know, back around. We know the circle.
1: wings is shaking hands. I <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: him, Bob Denver and uh, wings and, uh, but the chimpanzee smoking pot in the greenhouse probably.
1: That's outstanding. Yeah. He, uh, he was born in Hollywood, man.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So he's a, he's full blown, you know, movies are in his blood. I mean, he, he's movies through and through.
1: Yeah, Absolutely.
2: I think that shows in this film because I think even though this isn't uh, super fancy, uh, this movie is incredibly well shot and well paced and well edited.
1: And here's another guy that I feel like is much better than his filmography is his son, Cole.
2: Oh, yeah. Cole's great, man. Cole. Cole. There's been a lot of missed opportunity with Cole. I thought he was going to. I thought he was going to be huge, but he's kind of disappeared.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I love Cole Hauser, man. He's awesome.
1: Yeah. Hey, very ever,
2: tough, great tough guy
1: actor. And he's and he brings a real intensity. Man, have you ever seen this? I don't know if I've ever seen this. Death Street USA. <laughs> Starring no. Lee Swingshauser, Bo Hopkins, George Kennedy, Brian James. Ooh. Directed by oh. Is that, that, Nightmare noon? Is that also
2: Yeah, is that also known as uh Nightmare? Nightmare at at noon? Noon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've never seen it, but I've been wanting to cover it ever since I found out about it.
1: Oh, man. They got Brian James in the front looking like a, like a Kung Fu master in like a white Mandarin collar.
2: Yeah. I think he he might play an albino in that one. He played an albino a couple of times. I don't know if that's
1: one. And we got to see this. Scientists <laughs> yeah. poison the water supply of a small town, turning the residents into homicidal maniacs <laughs> who kill each other and anybody who passes through. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. We got to see this. Yeah.
2: That's got several, like I said, it's got several titles. I knew it as Nightmare at Noon, but I think I might like Death Street USA better.
1: <laughs> Death Street USA is amazing. I, mean, I bet you Wings came up with that title. Sounds like a Wings thing to do.
2: It's possible. I mean, you know, he did write the song for Vice Squad, Neon Slime. That has that kind of great,
1: you know, very 80s. It just right? nails evocative.
2: Yeah, that, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a very evocative title. That kind of great kind of 80s sound, Neon Slime. just sounds great.
1: How many Wings films have we done on the show?
2: Uh, well, we'll wait, stop the we, rain. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did, uh, vice squad, obviously. Uh, we did, uh, what was the one with, uh, what was it called blood ties? The one with him and Zadar.
1: Uh, something Oh like yeah. That. Did we ever uh, do deadly forest? No,
2: no. Well, the, believe it or not, there's a ton of wings we haven't done.
1: Ooh, what's night shadows.
2: He's got a lot of that great kind of pulpy sleazy noir stuff in his catalog.
1: Man, he did another film with Bo Hopkins that sounds similar. Uh, two brothers discover the residents of a small southern town are being infected by a form of toxic waste, turning them into blood-ravenous zombies. Nice. What an awful Bo, Bo couple Bo Hopkins,
2: though. also an uh, underrated actor.
1: Agreed. No, Ooh, man, not, just, not
2: on Wings' level for me, but uh, No, I don't
1: think he's on Wings' level.
2: Yeah, certainly kind of overshadowed by the fact that he usually played, you know, redneck good old boys or sheriffs or cops or something.
1: Well, he did. Um, he did. Well, we did. I should say, Siege of Firebase Gloria. We did Vice Squad. We've done this. We did the one with Zadar. There's four.
2: Yeah, that's right. I forgot about Siege of Firebase Gloria. He's great in that too.
1: Yeah, he does put in a good performance.
2: And that one was Zadar. I, th- I think that movie's underrated. I think that movie was yeah. good. Absolutely. It was ludicrous, but it was also very well acted by both him and Zadar.
1: Yep. You know, one I love of his is No Safe Haven. Yes, <laughs> with Bob Tessman and Branscombe Richmond.
2: Yes, that's yeah. an awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that one's a lot. Can you of imagine one. those he, set stories?
1: <laughs> man, he fucking goes for it in that one. No, he goes for it. I'm trying to think of there's anything else we've done here.
2: Now, he's got a lot of stuff. The Carpenter is
1: good. Man, yeah. he's he's so good. He's just yeah. He's so he,
2: good. I don't know. Uh, we've talked about covering a ton of his movies. I'm sure we'll get around to covering Ooh. some more. I'm glad we finally covered this one though, because this is a.
1: A personal favorite of mine. Man, him. listen, I, I don't want to turn this into the Wings plot synopsis Power Hour, <laughs> yeah. but I gotta tell you about this one. Boy, do I gotta tell you about this one? It's called Pale Blood. Now, there's no real names other than Wings, but Wings's character name in this <laughs> is is Van Vandermeer. <laughs> and listen to this: a vampire pretender who is murdering women, runs into a real vampire who's out to stop him because he's casting too much of a spotlight on the vampire community. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God.
2: That vampire with a sense of morals.
1: Yeah, no kidding, man.
2: (laughs) He's got that. I've never seen Pale Blood. I'd like to Pale say that I've, you know, with a title like Pale Blood, you would think I would seek it out immediately, but I've never.
0: heard Holy fuck! <laughs> Nineteen. Wings.
2: Wings. Uh, Wings. Oh, filmography is a treasure trove. It's a Uh-oh. treasure trove.
1: It is. It, his filmography, and that's the thing, man. You know, man, they filmed this and it, Listen to this to add to the gold. This thing was an Italian production shot in Hong Kong. <laughs> oh man. Dude. The plot keywords: vampire, dance club, human bait, jugular vein, computer search. <laughs>
0: computer search.
2: <laughs> you would think human bait would be the first thing I would say. If That's a computer amazing. search makes me laugh even I'm harder. Fucking,
1: I'm looking this thing up tonight. <laughs> computer gonna go, search. I'm going to do that my ghost house
2: revisit, there, babe.
1: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's see. Oh, this might be it. Nice,
2: man. That it's actually, on here. It might be on YouTube,
1: huh? Yeah, it sure is. Nice. Okay, that's A lot nice.
2: of... Yeah, for those who are not familiar with Wings or uh, want to see some of his films, some of his best work, his best personal work, and some of his best acting, uh, a lot of those films are on YouTube. So, check them out. I think even Vice Squad's on YouTube, although you can get it on DVD, I believe, maybe Blu-ray nowadays, but... You know, uh, either way, Siege on Firebase Gloria, I think, is on YouTube, and... Uh, that actually might be getting a release soon, I think. But I don't, I don't know for sure. But he's always good. Wings is always good, even in bad movies, he's good.
1: He always has an energy. He always brings it, which is what we were, we always say. I think uh, he's also in the Insider, small part in there, man. That thing might have top to bottom the best cast, I think, like ever.
2: Oh, the Michael Mann film?
1: Yeah, fucking cast. I, I, I haven't seen it since theater, but that cast is ridiculous.
2: It is ridiculous. It's one of the most. Uh Yeah, it's one of the most ridiculous casts of all time. And Michael Mann, I've I've read interviews with him. He thinks I know that he thinks that uh, Hauser's also been overlooked. Man, I wish he'd use him more. Though
1: I was about to say Michael Mann could use him properly. It's a shame he didn't use
0: him.
2: uh, Yeah, he's tailor made for Michael Mann films. Oh,
0: totally. Like
2: I said, Tarantino films, Michael Mann films. Yeah, he's tailor made for those type of films.
0: He
1: absolutely is. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's get to this one though. So really, the synopsis didn't really tell you. the The pull for this film is to see man, uh, oh man, Wings Hauser as a cop investigating the series of killings around LA that are basically copycat murders from that that were basically shot for shot uh, murders from horror film or from famous films, iconic films, Deer Hunter, Psycho, uh, Scarface. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and that's kind of what the the pull is for this. So, Joan of Arc. <laughs> Joan of Arc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. I love early on with Wings that he's got this. He's got this like kind of heavy set uh, African American woman partner, and oh, it just yeah. it feels very natural to me. Like the way they're kind of bantering back and forth, and yeah. And Wings is is good enough to give as much as he gets. Like he's willing to give her a little bit. Like she's talking about, um. I think she says to him, she goes, "Oh, Wing, you need some serious trim." And uh, she talks about she hasn't had a white boy since high school, and and then he goes, "What? The whole football team?" Or something. Like They're just kind of bantering back and forth, and
2: yeah, like best buddies, kind of joking around. Yeah, right?
1: and it works well, mm-hmm. and it's like this thing of, it's not like the usual kind of two macho cops. It's like him and this woman, and she's she's pretty capable. It's too bad they didn't keep her around more, you know, because I kind of like them together.
2: Yeah, I liked them together as well. Don't don't they get a hot dog before they go in?
1: They do get a hot dog before they go in. <laughs> yeah. and I think in the last movie, uh, Foxworth gets a hot dog and takes it in his car with him.
2: Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Um, in this one, there's a big dude in this who's, who, I mean, he throws wings around.
2: Oh, that's Tony Longo. He just died recently. He was in Suburban Commando with Hulk Hogan and The Undertaker and stuff.
1: He's tossing wings around like a rag doll.
2: Yeah, Tony Longo, character actor. Yeah, I, I, it's funny we did this movie because I think he literally just passed away like two or three weeks ago. I mean, I don't say I don't. I'm saying that's funny because he died. I'm just no, saying no, of course. Yeah, weird coincidence. And it is
1: the same. Right? He, was a, a, he was in a lot. He was in
2: a lot of movies. Always played kind of like a heavy thug because he had to look.
1: Yeah, oh, totally. Totally.
2: This. That's. I gotta say that Tony Longo and his wife easily maybe one of the worst marriages in the history of cinema on film. Big time. <laughs> That's a that's a bad deal, man. Those two need to get away from each
1: other. They do. Well, because they they must be listening to the OJ's a lot because she pulls the backstabber move, man. Yeah. That's yeah. for it. <clears throat> um Mitch Hara is in this. Do you know when and he's got like a pretty strong like a pretty big role in this. Do you remember what else Mitch Hara was in? He plays the uh like the one of the two uh, heavies in this.
2: Yeah, he's uh, Latin Jerry. What else What else did he do?
1: Man, he's the dude from Flexing with Monty.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's right, he is. Yeah. Talk about so, two... Uh, Latin Jerry's a great character. He is. Latin Jerry's a great character. This movie has the most accurate criminal sketch artist ever put in cinema man, history. Big, they draw Latin Jerry like Jack Kirby drew fucking the thing, man.
1: Oh, yeah, he does it. He <laughs> nails it.
2: And you got Latin Jerry, you got picture, he's running around, he's grabbing pizza, he's grabbing his all his fucking pictures. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: It's great. You know, they
2: don't go far enough with the uh the homosexual angle, I think, between the director and Light and Jerry. I think they should have went further with that, but <clears throat> Yeah. Wing should have oh. went further with that. But I mean, it's there. You you get it. I mean, yeah, it's they allude
1: to it. Mm-hmm. They allude to it. Uh um, yeah,
2: Latin Jerry's great. Latin Jerry's one of those great kind of eighties kind of bad guys that kind of bled over into the nineties.
1: Oh, totally. And Sidney Lassick's in this. Yeah. You know, great uh, character actor. Uh, Henry Brown. Yeah, there's there's some good kind of familiar faces in this.
2: <laughs> I like uh, that line Wings gives that blonde. He says when he's talking about the Latin Jerry, he's like, he's scum, a pimp, a pornographer.
1: Oh, I know. I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's
2: just like checking the boxes, you know. Like, like, there's the worst things off. you can say about somebody.
1: It's true. No, it's true. And this also looks at that thing, too, like, you know, snuff films on film. Which yep. always makes for a great kind of film, you know. It makes it. Really yeah,
2: because bigger. I mean, the urban legend of snuff films is, uh, and arguably, you can say snuff films do exist, even though I don't know if anyone has ever been made with the sole purpose of killing somebody on film. But I mean, you can, you know, nowadays in today's society, sadly, I mean, snuff films do exist. There's, you know, beheading videos and and all kinds of terrible shit out there. You can see if you really want to pursue it. So. Uh, I advise you don't, but, Yeah. you know, some people, they can't help it
1: Hole to go down. Uh, yeah, it's a bad,
2: it's a bad place to be in. You uh, don't even want to go there.
1: Um, but what's his name? Uh, Mitch Hara is really good. Like we said, I think he's great. He's really oily and skeevy and he brings the energy to the film. And I think wings kind of pulls everyone up by their bootstraps to say, you know, you got to run with me here. I'm giving it everything. You got to give it everything. Kinmont. I think it's fun. I mean, her materials rather stock. But I think she's fine in the film. She acquits herself yeah. as well as Yeah, You know,
2: Kinmont's interesting. She dated uh, llamas for a long time. She was oh, on yeah. Renegade with uh, him and uh, yeah. Brian Scone Mitchell
1: Richmond. <laughs> That's right, man. And,
2: and uh, she, when she started out, I thought she was gorgeous. I really did. She oh, yeah. was kind of different. You know, she had kind of high cheekbones.
1: Yeah, No, I agree, man.
2: Interesting teeth and everything else. She kind of faded for me over time. But she really, they, Wings really captures her kind of sexiness in this and kind of her heavy go lucky attitude.
1: Oh, he does. He definitely does. And I think Wings shoots LA and shoots, you know, LA at night and then shoots the beach stuff to kind of contrast like the sort of tranquil kind of isolation of the beach to contrast kind of the the dark underbelly of of uh, the neon of LA quite well. Yeah. Um if we get a great uh bad kind of intense De Niro imitation during the deer hunter scene, they totally cast that guy cuz he had the De Niro nose.
2: Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. When I first saw him, I remember that actor now, but when I first started watching this again, I was like, man, I didn't know one of the Baldwin brothers was in this movie.
1: He does. He totally, because he's got the squint. And,
2: <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, and I don't have it in front of me, so forgive me, but that actor's done a lot of uh, kind of straight-to-video, kind of sleazy, kind of soft-core sex movies.
0: Uh, Michael, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, my God. I met him. <laughs> You met him? My wife. Fuck. <laughs> I didn't know that was him. I
1: mean, there's a picture of him on my Facebook because Teresa loved him. He played a detective on one of her on her soap opera.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a soap opera actor. Yeah, yeah.
1: Man, he was at the fan fest like years ago because uh how did that go? He didn't I think he had done there was a time where he had done some like some sci-fi shit as well. Yeah, he's
2: done, some genre, he's done some genre stuff.
1: And I can't believe that's him, but I remember seeing this guy, and this guy was like always Ducklip, and I'm like, man, come on. <laughs> but yeah, that's for a Long Beach guy too, man.
0: Yeah, Oh,
2: well, you know wow. how them Long Beach guys are. I
1: yeah, know, they roll. Um,
2: <laughs> him and Anthony Zerby. <laughs> and,
1: uh... Yeah. <laughs> And, and Miles, the trifecta, man. Yeah,
2: and that Lemaire family. You gotta watch out for those yeah, folks.
1: Yeah, that's right, man. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um What do we got here? Uh
2: he'll randomly post an acting video and you'll be you'll be uh you'll be you'll be going nuts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I think yeah, is skeevy, sickly kind of LA we talked about. Uh, Pollard's good. He's a pro. They make him very kind of bonkers. Not bonkers, just kind of...
2: Yeah, I, I can't figure out what he is. I think he's supposed to be a psychologist, and then sometimes I think he's a coroner, and yeah. then uh, I don't know what he is exactly, but... I thought, uh, yeah, yeah, the two
1: same thing, the same two things.
2: <laughs> In no other world except Wings Hauser's world, would Michael J. Pollard be cast as this character. <laughs>
1: oh, I know. I know. Um, yeah, how, about
2: how about that... Uh, gun foreplay gone too far
1: yeah no kidding so how really, about I that mean, she
2: really takes it to the limit
1: well wings takes to the limit with the pull out spray kitchen faucet man
2: yeah he does he's been in the strawberry jam
1: yeah he does man strawberry I jam you you with her raspberry beret
2: yeah uh, a couple weeks ago we talked about in ghost house the milk bath gone wrong and this one you got the milk bath gone right
1: you sure do man <laughs> <laughs> you sure do <laughs> And me get the slow-mo shower move and the bathtub. See, this is...
2: Uh, that bathtub scene is pure fucking sex.
1: It, it, see, he had done, Wings had done a few of those, like bedroomized films and stuff. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: I feel like this is exactly the kind of film that I had in mind, you know, for Sleazy Summer. Because it's got nudity, it's got fun, it's just rompy kind of, you know. Well, the
2: great thing is, and I'll, <clears throat> I'll be forthright in saying this now. I think the cross-cut murder oral sex scene in the bathtub... I think the the brilliant thing to cross cut that with going back to Latin Jerry and the director guy mm-hmm. and a murder scene at the same time that he's having oral sex with Kathleen Kenmont. Yeah. I think that is fucking brilliant.
1: Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. I to mean make. it
2: is it is as brilliant as anything that a great director has done. I mean it it's 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 a wonderful, wonderful moment.
1: What else is brilliant is seeing Wings eat pussy in the ba- in the bubble bath, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wings gets down. Yeah, yeah, it's down, That's kind of a man.
2: tricky move. The bubble bath man, that's a uh sex so you gotta be careful there because it can get a little nasty because it can you know, you get that you get the bubbles in the mouth, right? Well so.
1: yeah, I don't know how you do it even with a snorkel on. I mean that's there's yeah. just no easy way to pull that off. You gotta you gotta
2: you gotta wash that off, you know. You gotta yeah. keep a cup in the bath, wash some bubbles off.
1: You'll have to, man. Yeah. You'll have to. But the shower kill I thought was good despite not showing any real nastiness.
2: Well, I think all the kills are really good they considering that they could go full tilt, right? Yeah. <clears throat> you get a scarface kill that could have went full tilt. You get a the deer hunter moment could have been even more gory. Uh you know, they could have went full tilt, but I think the implic I think what Wings does is brilliant is the implication of the snuff film and yes. the the coldness of Latin Jerry and the director. Yes. Absolutely. Make it nastier than it actually is, you know, that it's actually shown to you.
1: But that's a wise thing by a director. Someone with less experience would have tried to shock you by showing you more. He knows he can get you with not showing you as much, right? And right, it works well. Um, there's some good humor too. I mean, it's fun in the way that you know we want our cop films to be. There's a few wisecracks and Ken Mott and him give it. They got pretty good chemistry together. Wingsman. He's always hungry on the beach. He's he's one. He's just like Bert. He's he's a closet romantic, <laughs> and she shows up on a horse. And even he says, he- <laughs> "Where'd you find a horse?"
2: Yeah, it's one of those great moments where they came up with this idea for in the movie and he's it, it totally feels improvised. It's some of the greatest acting I've ever seen, really. I'll be <laughs> honest because I love it when he's like, "You women, you know, you you, you you love us in the 60s, you hate us in the 70s." You. Oh, I know. I <laughs> and he know. goes, "What do you guys want?" You know, and he's sitting there trying to barbecue his chicken, you know? He just wants to barbecue his chicken. The girl That's rides right. up on a horse.
1: That's right, man. And then she says to him, she says, "We got an hour we can spend it out here fighting or we can spend it in there fucking." And then yeah. Easter, it's riffing on. You know what? No cuffs. I'll be on top. And
0: yeah, yeah, he you gets
2: know. he's tired of the cuffs at that point.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um,
2: the beach scenes are pretty great. The, that yeah. scene's great, and then the scene when he gets suspended is one one for the ages.
1: Absolutely, I
2: do. Nobody, like- nobody, <laughs> nobody hangs out with a trench coat, a backwards hat, and a bunny rabbit drinking alcohol like Wings House.
1: No one can, man. No one can.
2: Very few actors. I mean, I'm serious. Very few actors in our history can pull that off.
1: Oh yeah, no, very few. Um, I think that the I liked Latin Jerry, but I thought that the like the actual director guy was not as strong.
2: Yeah, I liked his voice. Yeah, and I liked the idea that he always wore high water pants. I thought that was an interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, he yeah. had this white sock showing all the time. That was always that was interesting. Oh, yeah I, I like his look and st- I don't know I, I agree with you Latin Jerry's kind of so over the top that you kind of want that guy to be a little bit more as well um, he's he's fine but he's not as he's not aces I think Latin Jerry's more interesting obviously and Latin Jerry really oh man talk about a character that really kind of comes to an abysmal <laughs> abysmal end
1: oh yeah yeah he sure does
2: <clears throat> um those are all my notes. Okay, I well, only we got a few more things to add. Uh, Wings in this period, man, he really fucking loved those slender tip cowboy boots, man. Him and him and Prince.
0: <laughs> oh, dude, man,
1: were
2: the only guys that could totally. rock those boots properly. Totally. Man, he loves cowboy boots, and uh, he does. this one has one of the great angry captains because Wings turns the whole thing on its head by calling him a racist.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. That's great, man.
2: He's got a black he's got a Vintage. black captain who's mad at him. He turns around and calls him a racist.
1: It's vintage wings.
2: And <laughs> the captain's the- so confused. He's like, did he just call me a racist? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's good, man.
2: And then the English lady, that's actually the, uh, that's actually the, uh, the one of the three Superman from Superman two. That's the female Zod's, uh, female. Oh, guy. no way. Yeah. That's her. And she's, she's, she's pretty great. Uh, <laughs> one of my notes says, "Howser, bunny rabbit, alcohol, cinema gold. <laughs> um, a weird, a weird observation about this movie. Watching it this time, there's a lot of few, food abuse in this movie. Yeah. Like there's food with sex. There's talking about the barbecued chicken. There's uh, you know feeding the alcohol to the bunny rabbit, which you know bunny rabbits are food for some folks. Yeah. Uh, the the director guy shows up at the house. He's like fingering uh, like uh, uh, wings as like sweet treats on his table. Ugh. Yeah. There's all kinds of just like nasty little food moments all through the movie. It's very strange.
1: Yeah. No. It is. It is. That's a good call.
2: It's just, I think that this film, it was like a love letter to L.A., but also a love letter to pulpy film noir films for Wings Hauser. And I I mean, I got to be honest with you, I think this movie's brilliant from scene one to scene end. I really do. I think it's I think it's one of the most underseen films of its era. I think uh, more people should see it. I think it should have a proper Blue, Blu-ray release with some, hauser features and some commentary and stuff i think wings hauser should be celebrated more yes and uh i just you know i don't have a whole lot more to add i think this movie's funny i think it's gruesome
1: i think it's sleazy
2: i think it's sexy yeah i I think it ticks it hits and ticks all the boxes and
1: uh, 80s early 90s kind of jam that you want yeah
2: i think it's one of p.m entertainment's uh most perfect pieces i mean p.m entertainment's got a lot of fun movies But I think it's one of the most perfect films to come out of that whole little studio. And it does.
1: I think it would do well with the VHS hounds, not just kind of like the junk movie fans like us. Yeah. Because it's competent enough. Do you know what I mean?
2: I think it came out at a time, and Hauser was at this time, because I know he popped up on Roseanne, kind of had a little bit of a career resurgence. He was on Roseanne for a little while, uh, uh, doing a really good performance of a dad who, you know, was wound too tight and wasn't taking proper care of his daughter blue collar really you know really struggling to get through i think daniel harris was the uh was the daughter at the time and i think her and darlene i know i'm getting into my roseanne fandom here but her and darlene ended up uh, going to a concert or something and i don't know anyway it, it was also real to me like when roseanne was at its peak it really nailed blue collar family life right so um i think wings hauser personified that even though he was born and raised in hollywood and not entitled so much but i think you know he had a pretty good childhood so
1: oh totally yeah it's funny he could, he could toggle between sort of the la thing and the southern thing very easily
2: yeah yeah he can do he can do it all man i, I tell yeah. you the guy can do anything i i wouldn't be surprised if you know if he wasn't if he could be if Guillermo de Toro would cast him in Pacific Rim two and he would be fucking genius in it. I mean, I'd
1: like to see him and Ironside do something together.
2: Yeah, I mean the, these he's just one of those actors like Ironside, like a lot of these actors we love who are just great actors. You know, uh, actors who yeah, occasionally show up in bad movies, but you know, they're just as good to me as, you know, the De Niro's and the Pacinos and all these actors we celebrate. Uh, I mean, obviously, De Niro and Pacino never had to make P.M. Entertainment films, but i got to tell you, <laughs> you see Righteous Kill and you see the P.M. Entertainment films, I guarantee you'll like the P.M. Entertainment films more totally. than you like Righteous Kill.
1: Totally.
2: <laughs> I mean, because they, they made their share of junk, too. And uh, I'd re- I'll take the junk that knows its place in cinema history over the junk that thinks it's better than what it is. And, uh, you know, this film, I just, you know... It's just flat out underrated. Hauser's flat out underrated. Ken Mont, she's great in the film. Latin Jerry Machara, he's he's great. It's just uh, Michael J. Pollard's not doing anything new here, but he's fine in the film. He's great. It's just it's a brilliant movie. It really is. It's it's one of those movies that I urge everybody to see. I mean, I don't know, maybe if our maybe if our final score releases a a big hit. Maybe this could be something further down the line for us. I don't know. Well, how maybe it. so,
1: because... And I would definitely gun for an interview with Wings, because and there'd be a lot of material we'd want to go over. Yeah, Wings
2: is notoriously not a big fan of interviews, but we might have an in with him. Uh, well, at least we did. I don't know if we do anymore, but well, well, uh, it'd be great to talk to him. It totally would. And let him know that, you know, there's people out there that love his work. Just like, you know, I regret not being able to talk to Zadar, because... I regret not being able to tell him you know, how important he was to my of films. Big time. So hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to Wings one day. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's all my notes. I don't really have a whole lot more to add, man. I implore everybody. Oh, yeah, I want to say one more thing. I just got to say this. The phone sex line, it's such an odd phenomenon in hindsight, the
1: phone sex oh, line. Oh, man, is it ever.
2: <laughs> it's not that I've never had, you know, phone sex. I mean, I have it every week with you but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it is it, it is such a weird phenomenon that it was advertised. When I was a kid growing up you could see phone sex lines I mean if you stayed up past 11 o'clock it's all the advertisements that were on TV and they didn't care what fucking age you were. You could call in and say you were 18 we used to go over to friends, this is a shitty thing to do, but we used to go over to friends houses you know when they had parties or whatever and we'd get on their phones and
0: <laughs>
2: call, the, call the phone sex lines you know and just fucking have a blast you know being 14, 15 year old kids talking dirty to these girls that are probably you know 60 year old women
1: <laughs> oh man oh
2: you know absolutely. running up the tab on a friend's uh and then of course the friend getting in trouble with the parents like you called you know 1-800 suck this what the fuck
1: 1-800 suck this <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> which is also our voicemail line those. if you it want is. to call this
1: <laughs> it is it absolutely is
2: know ours is 1-800 suck that Yeah, (laughs) 1-800-LICK-THIS-MOCCASIN.
0: Yeah. But yeah, that's all my notes,
2: man. Let's get into make or break.
1: Make or break is when Wings is shaking down Latin Jerry. Yeah, Uh, sweet. very good, very good. And MVT, come on. Wings.
2: Yeah, there's no contest here.
1: I mean, this is Wings. Uh, Always with. Um, And I'll I'll say for my score... Uh, I'm going to say a 7.5, man. I love this. Nice. I think it's, nice. it's fun. It romps. It it just, it's yeah, it ticks the boxes, like you were saying. Yeah. It's great.
2: It's great stuff. Uh, I like this film a lot. My favorite scene, make-or-break scene, that cross-cut murder and oral sex scene. It's oh, so yeah. great. Uh, it's both sexy and disturbing, and that's pretty impressive coming from uh, you know a B-movie. I think it okay. says so a lot.
1: From a guy who wasn't uh, a director. He was an actor primarily.
2: Yeah, yeah uh mvt like you said very easy it's hauser there's no contest i mean he's be- he's behind all this his scenes are brilliant uh he's brilliant uh, whoever came up with the idea of giving the bunny rabbit alcohol with the backwards hat, the trench coat i, I have to believe <laughs> it was wings and that's why he is one of the most brilliant actors of the generation come uh, I in come on there's got to be a buddy cop film him and nick cage like I said come
1: on oh, something man.
2: put 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 some of these actors together man Big time. Uh, uh, my score for the film is higher than yours, man. I think this is a gem of its time. I think it's one of the best films of its period and uh, one of the best films for PM Entertainment period. So I give it an 8.5 out of 10. Man. I love the art out of nice. I love the art of dying. I think it's brilliant stuff. Nice. And I, and I feel like if you saw it a couple more times, I think you'd be up in 8 territory.
1: Yeah. Well, it's pretty damn fun. It's, it's Yeah.
2: I mean, you can't, you can't really go wrong. I think it, it does almost everything right. Yeah, I really can't think of anything it does wrong.
1: No, I know it's 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 prime GGTMC fare.
2: Oh yeah, it's pure prime. We didn't even talk about the fashion.
1: I mean, come on, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I talked about with... the
2: slender tip boots, but I didn't talk about anything else.
1: Yeah, no, it's true.
2: And we should say wings. The master, maybe the master of the double denim shirt and jean combo.
1: He does it. He rocks it, man.
2: Yeah, he uh, might be the master. I mean, I've, there's there's a few senseis of the. The double denim. He never Easy. really wore the jean jacket that I remember, but he loves those denim shirts.
1: Oh, remember, I think we'd said we'd seen a few films where we were convinced that Wings wore his own wardrobe. There goes that one where he has that, that hockey, sk- the the ice skating make cute scene or meet cute oh, scene. Oh, that's, uh,
2: that's the one with Zadar. Zadar. Man. Yeah, that's the one yeah, with Zadar. Yeah, I think he, he also
1: that... gets a chair and kind of sits on the ice or something.
2: Yeah, I got to mute for a second. Go ahead and talk.
1: Yeah, but Wings, <laughs> Wings I think in that one, he he sat in a chair in the middle of a hockey rink and then his love interest comes out with the students she's teaching or it was something like that. And You could tell he kind of went back to the well with this one, uh, you know, with that kind of uh, me cute scene. But uh, yeah, he's a pro, you know, and he, he knows what to do. He's been around enough, uh, enough sets, enough productions that, you know, he's going to, uh, he's going to be able to make things move and the way they need to move and give them some energy. And, you know, as you can see, we've talked about the two films we've talked about tonight. One had the concept, but didn't have the energy to take it across the finish line. The second one had the concept and had uh, the man leading the charge behind the camera and in front of the camera with wings that could really take it where it needed to go. And, and that's the difference between you know well-directed film or you know a certain kind of director and, and someone who's a bit more anonymous and flat about the way they go about things. Right. I'm back. Sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, next week, the sleazy summer rolls on. Yes. We're going to go with uh, the crotchless uh, coin purses next week. And what are we covering?
2: <laughs> Ooh, I, yeah, I only remember one of them. I don't remember the other one because I think the other one's another choice you made, and i never heard of it. But I do know that we are doing uh, Diodato's house on the edge of the park, right?
1: We sure. Uh, yeah, we sure are.
2: Yeah, we had to double-check that, didn't we? <laughs> I was sitting there thinking, are we doing D.L.'s House on the Edge of the Park? Are we doing House by the Cemetery Fulci? Are we doing Last House on the Left? I don't
1: know. <laughs> yeah, I know. But Which, House on the Edge
2: of the Park, yeah, with uh, David Hess, yeah?
1: Yeah, man. that's uh, uh, I'm Underrated of, movie. Underrated, yeah. absolutely. And the return of our girl, The Rain to Sell, man. Yeah. It's a good one. That'll
2: be fun. That's Diodato. I can't remember the name of the other one, so I'll let you say what it was.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, The other one that we're going to be doing next week to pair with that, forgive me, is. um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, it's uh, Josh Trashy Trio picked it. It's Girl Gorilla Boss.
2: Oh yeah, that's right.
1: That's gonna be a fun, fun, fun episode.
2: Yeah, I don't know why I was thinking actually, I I could have mentioned that. I, I was thinking for some reason we ended up drawing the uh, the Amazon film we picked.
1: Oh no, no,
2: no. Yeah, but I don't know why I was thinking that because I knew we didn't get it, but
1: that would be fun. Yeah. I
2: don't know. I guess I was just thinking that. You know me, which yeah. I'd never heard of and never seen, by the way.
1: It's it's very fun. It's very very fun.
2: Uh-huh. I just want to I want to I want to reach out and tell everybody that's in the, that took part in the sleazy summer. Uh, all you podcasters that might be listening that are part of this thing, I just want to say thank you for not going the easy route and picking cannibal films because that would have been super easy.
1: <laughs> yeah, everyone, it's fun, it kind of shows everyone's taste, and hopefully, it will give people a little more incentive to check out the shows because these are the shows that we believe in I mean we believe in other shows too but these ones that we you know, are love our friends that support us and we like to support and we don't get to do a roll call we don't do a roll call every week now and we keep meaning to get back to it but just we're always so pressed for time it's just a juggling act but um,
2: yeah we, we show our support in other ways as well yeah
1: absolutely yeah. we show our coin purse in other ways we show our support in other ways <laughs> Yeah. our coin purse not always have the support it needs to but yeah you
2: know. that, that turtle shell soap we
1: uh yeah. yeah we like to wear the slim the slim cut suede boot uh <laughs> On <laughs> our members sometimes, so.
2: Yeah, with the gold, uh, with the gold uh, bracelet kind of across the uh,
1: middle of the boot. That's there. With the chain, the gold chain crisscrossing <laughs> on the boot, man. Yeah. Uh, There's a reason they don't call it junkyard dog for nothing.
2: Well. Yeah. So, so the, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of glad, even though it's kind of it's kind of ironic that I say that because uh, we do have some cannibal coverage coming in a couple weeks. So.
1: Well, I thought you were saying it's kind of ironic because we're both wearing gold chains on our cocks, but.
2: No, that's not a, that's not ironic. That's normal. That's a, that's an that.
1: everyday thing. Yeah.
2: It's an everyday thing.
1: Yeah, that's right, man.
2: Matter of fact, since we've been doing the show, mine's
1: gotten a little tight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> amazing, man. Amazing. <laughs> oh fuck!
2: No Wait, slender tip on that one, no there, Tip,
1: man. That's right. <laughs> like
2: a like an apple on a pencil, bro.
1: Apple on the pencil for life, man. That's right. There you go. Uh, um, I was
2: talking about the upcoming Diabolic DVD film uh, we're covering. Yes, I decided to go full tilt Italian. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get. we well, just to kind of give you guys a taste. There is some full tilt Italian coverage coming.
1: Oh, big time! Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So you know, next week we got uh, a couple films that uh, we need to cover, and uh, off the races. We're
2: rocking and rolling. We're still moving on. Still got Arrow. Need to get back in touch with Olive, but we're getting there.
1: We will. Uh, we totally let's will. hope
2: that, uh, Let's hope that you know, the kids are going back to school and everything. Let's hope that our schedules get back to a little bit more of normal.
1: When they get back to school and semifungi as they call them in Italian. You know, mushroom bite. <laughs>
2: yeah. Man, I, need, I, I, I just need uh, – I'd just be happy if, you know – you know more than anybody, because I don't share it really with the group and everything, that my schedule just gets completely out of whack sometimes. and Because uh, I'll, I'll text you and say, look, man, <laughs> I'm stuck at work. I've been here for, you know, this many hours. I'm not going to be able to get out of here. and then Or, you know, I get sucked into another weekend job or some kind of shit. So.
1: Well, that's the way it goes. We usually, it's like uh, put them in a hat, you know, or I've slept through something and... You know,
2: oh yeah, just, yeah, that happened recently, and
1: yeah, that's happened a couple. And times. And again,
2: that so. that's totally you know I I didn't say anything to you at the time, but I mean that's totally understandable. I mean you're running on fumes. You gotta yeah. get, sooner or later that tank runs dry.
1: It does, man. You gotta keep and, it.
2: And uh, I'm fine with that because that's just the reality.
1: So we we do the start and stop where it's like we usually end up spitballing three or four different days or times before we get the episode banged out. It seems like this summer.
2: This summer, this summer in particular <laughs> has been like that. Yeah, more so than any other time I can think of, except maybe when. My son was born uh, because by the time Brayden was born, and we, you know we're talking about stuff that's very personal on the show. But either way, I mean, by the time Brayden was born, you guys were already, you know, you guys were already troopers. You know, you guys already went through the first process, right? So uh, you guys kind of had that all down. It seemed like we didn't really miss a beat.
1: Yeah, we are lucky in that regard. But again, part of it comes too from the fan, from the uh, thing of, um, you know, not to get into too much the. the political side or anything, but you know, luckily in Canada, you get a year maternity leave. Yeah. So it makes things yeah. easier.
2: makes it a lot easier, yeah.
1: And it does. It does. Yeah.
2: But, you know, we've had a few hiccups and stuff, and this summer's been a real test, so. It
1: has.
2: Hopefully next summer will not be as testy as this one.
1: Yes. Or hopefully, that, my,
2: hopefully, hopefully my testes won't be as bothered next summer. The only
1: way we want one more testy is if it's more Fabio. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. Which I think we've only ever covered one Fabio Testi film. Poor
1: Fabio, man. <laughs> we've never even done stuff. the Canadian Mountie film. Or the revolver with Ollie. With, uh, revolver with Ollie Reed.
2: Yeah, I feel like we were supposed to cover that at some point, but I think we, I think that fell apart. Anyway. All right, man. Yeah, that's all I got. That's it. That everything. So, so, thanks everybody for the patience. Thanks for letting us have a week off. Thanks for understanding. And uh, you know, thanks for still listening.
1: For uh, we're still here,
2: and we're not going yeah. nowhere.
1: That's right. We're going to keep filling our moccasins for y'all. Yeah. So be prepared, man. And uh, I guess with that, uh, there's one thing left to say. Yeah. Adios. Adios.
0: Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman
2: at ggtmc.com. And you can email the gentleman
0: at midnightcinema at gmail.com.